You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 107 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and joining me back in my kitchen studio after his uh, sunny break in the uh, in the sunny Highlands. Breaks. Have you ever been to Scotland? Sunny uh, break. I know. He's still got the goosebumps now. I know. Hello, I know. Matt. <laughs> Morning. I worry about your mental health I sometimes. Uh, he, well, yes. Yeah, so, hello. It's nice to be back in the studio. I've had a very nice breakfast, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I have to. Be he honest. is here. Look. He's yeah. Here. No. I sorry. Hang on. I'm pressing <laughs> button. Oh, look. I've forgotten how to do go. it. All he's right. We should have had Bert here. He was much better at it than I was. Yes. No. We're both, yes back in the uh, kitchen studio. We've had I've had a lovely breakfast this morning. Very nice. Yes, yeah. I, I was slaving over the, uh, over the uh, cooker when, when Mac turned up this morning. Indeed, yes. And he had his uh, pinny on and everything. I had it, yeah. I did have an apron on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very special. Yeah. Uh, indeed, but enough about me. Not uh, really. So, good morning, <laughs> everyone who's joined us this morning in the chat room. It's the 9th of April. And all it's, day. Uh, it's yes. all day, yeah. All day. Yeah. And it's uh, seven minutes past ten in the morning. It is. We've got uh, a chat room filling up nicely, actually. Uh, yeah. Morning to uh, everyone who who's joined us in the chat room. I just oh, I just clicked on the wrong button. There Have we go. Good. There we go. Uh, Mike is in the chat room. And we've uh, got... Uh, Ryan Harper, that's Ryan you. Harper, the lovely Mila. Hello, uh, yes. You yes, spent, yes. That's what you're going to say. It's Mila. She's in the <laughs> chat room. Bless her. <laughs> I know. I'll beat you to it. You're horrible. Why are Shorts you? In a, just in a throw me under the bus, room. why don't I you? Know, <laughs> I know. Micah, the main man, Mike, is in the yes. chat room as well. David Corston's in the chat room. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan. Who's, who's this Ryan? I know who's you, Ryan you. Harper? Absolutely. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Stuart is in the, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, chat room. Is it Stuart yeah. or Short? Short. Is, is it my point? I know. We need to get these I'm pronunciations right. What I need is our regular listeners, I need a list. Uh, up on the wall, uh, spelt phonetically so that I don't get it wrong every single week. <laughs> yes, I'm going to get into so much trouble, aren't I? Right, so welcome to all you guys in the chat room. And also, uh, thanks if, you've, if you're listening to us in the audio version. You've downloaded Indeed. us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for downloading us. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a news-packed show. And we yes. have got a very special guest on the show yeah. this week. And uh, she is a pilot, and she yeah. does fly. She flies a plane very similar to me, actually. Right. She, oh, yeah, okay. she does yes. fly a plane. And uh, she's, uh, she's sometimes in the chat room every now and again. Is she? Yeah, yes. she does make fact, she's in, in there the at the moment. She's in the chat room now, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. So welcome on to the show, the lovely Myla. Hi. Hello. Good morning, Myla. <laughs> Good morning. And uh, how are how are things with you across the? We can't say pond. It's across the. It's not a pond. Is it's it? a, it's no. the, the river. It's the river. <laughs> honestly, yes. How are things across the sea there anyway? Pretty good actually. The weather's really nice. It's like a good day for flying. Really? If oh, wow. I could, I'd go out there. Stark um, contrast to here then. It's wet and horrible. Welcome to the UK. No, um, yes. No, it's <laughs> lovely to have you, Armida. Thank you for coming on this morning. And uh, we thought we uh, we need to have some we need to have some women pilots in on absolutely the show. yes girl yeah. power yeah. girl power and all that <laughs> yeah well thank you for having me oh, pleasure great and uh, we have got we have, like I said we've got lots of news to get through we have yeah. got a segment as well from pilot yay, Pip yay <laughs> Pip sent us in a segment Pip is uh, oh where is Pip today I did actually I did get yeah, a message from Pip somewhere this morning foreign, isn't he? He's in uh, foreign Pip parts. is in I'm just flicking through my message here I should have remembered really. you should have done it was only, it was only like oh yeah here we go ago. Pip yeah. is actually in Stockholm in Excellent. Sweden ah. today lovely um, yes. but uh, he has managed to send us in a segment for the show 
and he's talking about landings on uh, roads and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if, if, if you, you can't get, get onto a runway, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you can't get yeah. onto a runway. Uh, actually, while while we're in that note, uh, I would like to say if you are uh, listening to this on the audio version, uh, obviously all the all the video, or you're watching it on catch up, as I call it. So you're either listening to it as a podcast or on catch up. Uh, next week's show is going to be a little bit special because we're going to do it actually on. Sunday. Yeah. We're going to do it yeah. next Sunday. And the reason for that is uh, Pip has very kindly agreed, because uh, many of you may know that Pip is doing the London Marathon next I'm exhausted Sunday. now. I am exhausted just thinking about it, it has to be said. So if, if you are able to join us next Sunday via the, via the usual link and you want to join us live, it is www.youtube.com forward slash plain talking UK forward slash live. That's how you get to it. We're going to be linking up with Pip live while he's doing his marathon. And I am pretty sure that all of your encouragement will be very much greatly appreciated. So yeah. if you can join us for that, it's going to be a bit of a special show because he's lost his marbles and he's doing a marathon. Uh, but we will, we will hopefully be linking up with Pip, like we said, and uh, and doing yep. having Pip on the show. I don't think he's going to bring a segment. No, to us I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I think, think he's got enough on his plate. Too yes. much to ask, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. It would be a good safety segment, though. Yeah. It would. Uh, yeah. What not to do when you're doing the London uh, London Marathon? Yeah, perhaps yeah. doing a podcast while you're doing the London Marathon. Uh, but but uh, uh, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. So that's on Sunday. So next week we yep. are recording on Sunday morning. So make sure you put that in your diary. Yep, absolutely. Um, we've also got a little bit of voice feedback as well uh, from one yep. of our listeners to play out as well. Yep. And all the usual military news and a little bit of uh, info on some of the uh, air shows that are happening right. around near us, actually, uh, this month and Indeed. stuff. So that's all good. Yeah. So we better kick off, really, I suppose, haven't we? We ought with, to, really. With some yes, news. So uh, we're going to uh, start the show, then, as we do each week, yes. with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yes, yes, I am very much ready. And Myla, are you ready to go? Absolutely. Let's go. So kicking off this first news story on this week's show then, uh, it's actually a story that um, is, is come to my attention this week and it's regarding uh, a certain chap that uh, I actually work with yeah. and uh, he recently, or actually beginning of this week, uh, came back from Hamburg in right. Germany okay. and he flew back from Hamburg uh, into London Luton Airport with EasyJet. Mm. And uh, he had a rather nasty experience when uh, his uh, case came round on the carousel. On the carousel, oh, blimey. Um, the, uh, the, well, he actually came back, it was it mo early Monday morning, he was delayed uh, getting back into the UK yeah. uh, anyway, uh, for some, some issue or other. But uh, when his uh, luggage, his suitcase, uh, came round the carousel, he was actually greeted by something that wasn't resembling his suitcase. Right. So we're going to put the pictures okay. on the screen. All right, uh, yep. So those of you in the chat room will be able to see uh, these pictures here on the screen. Now, this is uh, <laughs> the first shot we have here. Yeah. Uh, this is um, his suitcase. This is a hard shell mm. suitcase. And that's, that's the thing that surprised me when I saw these pictures here. Because, I mean, you, you sort of think you, it might get a little bit scuffed in places. Um, yeah. But, I mean, this, this has been absolutely trashed. I mean, Matt, Matt will scroll through the uh, photos here. This is yeah. uh, there's another shot here. There's the, uh, there's the main handle, the main uh, trolley handle, which you extend to, to pull the case along wow. um, on the suitcase. 
Um, so he was flying with EasyJet. He was flying with EasyJet, yet yeah, uh, from Hamburg into yeah. London Luton. Um, when he obviously checked the suitcase in at Hamburg, there we go. There's a picture there of the carousel at Luton. My um, goodness me. The case was actually absolute, obviously in one piece. It's literally split down the side, isn't it? It's gone completely down. Oh my goodness me! Now, uh, in uh, I mean, he he was obviously not very happy. With no, this. I can imagine. Um, and he, he can be quite um, cross at the best of times. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he wasn't happy with this. He went to the uh, EasyJet desk uh, to see about uh, getting it, um, you know, sorted out. But uh, there was such a queue of people, and because they were delayed getting in anyway, yeah. he kind of neglect, you know, sort of said, to "Worry, I'll um, I'll leave it and, you know, yeah. and sort it out." So he actually went on Twitter, yep, and uh, sent a tweet to I think three of e- EasyJet's accounts. Mm. I forget which ones are, and they uh, this was on Monday, yeah. And uh, they finally got back to him yesterday. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, which was Friday. <laughs> very um, speedy response then. Because he's been, yeah, he's been home slow. nearly a week, hasn't he? Yeah, he, I mean, yeah. he got back on Monday. But it's, it's a very slow response time, really. And, I mean, you know, they've, uh, what they've done, they've uh, sent him. I mean, look at that. I mean, that is just, it, to me, it looks, if I was going to suggest what might have happened here, I'd have said it's fell off the, the you know, the, 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 the baggage, baggage car, yeah, yeah. The, the trolley, the truck, and I think, I, if I had to say it, I think it's, it's been run over. Really? Yeah. I mean, because these are quite robust. I mean, did he have anything in there that was of any... Yeah, um, yeah he, um, actually, he had a, uh, a quite a nice glass tankard, uh, which he'd uh, got from where he was staying, yeah. and uh, that had smashed inside the case and had covered all his clothing in in glass, really? uh, glass shards, okay. which is not good either. Which isn't well, so, yes, okay. That's not no, that's that's really. Good. But that's probably the worst uh, the worst I've damage I've seen like to a suitcase. Yeah. I think in, in my I've never yeah. seen a suitcase that you, badly damaged. You before. kind of assume if it's a hard suitcase like that that you might get a few scuffs if it's had a bit yeah. of a rough journey, sort of <laughs> getting onto the carousel or whatever. And, and I mean, we've all seen the pictures on YouTube and things like that. Uh, videos and stuff of the way that uh, suitcases have been treated, uh, you know, sort of behind the scenes, if you like. But uh, I don't think I've ever seen a, a case like that. What do you think about this, then, uh, Myla? What What are your thoughts on this? You're, you're, you can you can see the uh, pictures there. Yeah, well, I, actually, what I was thinking was the exact same thing. It looks like it's been run over mm. or got caught between something really strong. Yeah, I don't know, but it that you know you know those guys throw the suitcases around and you know they get you know um get yeah. thrown with so but and you know they can withstand some forces but this is yeah. just i mean this is a very crazy. extreme this is and 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 the fact that it took them a week to get back to him i mean that's yeah. absurd it, it's it's yeah. it's not acceptable is it there's no two ways no about absolutely it. not yeah not no, it's very. Exactly. But they've they've emailed what they've done. They've contacted him and they've sent him a link to click on where he's got to fill in a claims return form. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know what these things are like. They take ages to get um, sorted and 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 done yeah. and processed. And you know, he sent the pictures that we've got here, uh, the ones that he sent me. We've, he, he actually sent those pictures to EasyJet via you know through the Twitter feed right, and stuff. Yeah. So they've got. I mean, they've got concrete evidence there yeah. i mean yeah. he even had the had the tag as well with all the um the flight number and what yeah. a lot of people don't realize as well um is that on the reverse of those baggage tags that you have on your suitcase if you look there's a there's a kind of disclaimer form on the back and what when the um the the 
the person checks your suitcase in. Yeah. You know the uh, you know the service air person on the on the on the actual check-in desk. Yeah. On the back, there's actually a, a, a thing they have to tick. If there's any visible damage on the suitcase when you check your case in, right? They have to check, uh, obviously look and tick on the boxes where the damage is, and and sign it off. So obviously they've they've got no liability <laughs> okay. for damage, right. but obviously that none of these boxes were checked and there was nothing written on because the suitcase was in one piece when he uh, when he checked it in. Really. Um, so it will be interesting to see what he gets. What the outcome is. What the outcome is of this, but yeah. I will find out. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Keep us posted on that one. Eh? It's really. Yeah. It's really not not acceptable in any way. Morning so uh, to uh, Tony and Pip as well. Pip's just popped in in the chat room. Good morning to you, Pip. Uh, hope uh, hope your your flight goes well. Indeed. Uh, so the uh, so the so the next news story yep. uh, is on the breaking travel news site and uh, Qatar Airways flies into Birmingham, UK. So Qatar Airways has inaugurated the airline's fourth United Kingdom gateway with direct flights between Doha and Birmingham, connecting the city with more than 150 destinations worldwide. The inaugural flight touched down at sunrise and was greeted by a traditional water salute witnessed by a crowd of media gathered uh, while Qatar Airways Chief Commercial Officer Hugh Dunleavy, who travelled on board the inaugural flight with the UK Ambassador to Qatar, Ajay Samar, uh, was greeted at the arrival gate by Birmingham Airport Chief Executive Paul Kehoe. Uh, the, additional, uh, or the addition of a Birmingham uh, marks the fourth gate UK gateway for Qatar Airways after London, Heathrow, Manchester and Edinburgh. With eight uh, weekly services operated by Boeing, uh, the 787 Dreamliner aircraft, uh, Qatar Airways Group Chief Executive Akbar Al-Baker said that we are delighted to commence services to Birmingham, our fourth UK gateway. The vibrant and economical powerful region represents an important addition to our worldwide network and is a testament to our commitment to the UK passengers uh, that now have access to over 150 global destinations accessed via 73 flights per week from the UK. Qatar Airways now operates 73 flights per week to the UK with 42 flights per week to London Heathrow, 16 to Manchester and 7 to Edinburgh and also 8 to Birmingham from its state-of-the-art hub in Hamad International Airport. This is great news because uh, Qatar is, uh, is, is... We've flown with those once. Have you? Uh, yeah, through the A330 with Qatar. And uh, they're a very, very nice airline indeed. Very, uh, very well run. I, sh- I should just say, actually, it, uh, while we're... Uh or in there, we've got. Uh, I just say good morning to Jimbo Fraser, my very kind oh, host morning, from last Jimbo. week. Uh, you may remember him if you saw last week's video podcast, um, because um, he was the one sort of jogging in the background trying to keep warm. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, morning, Jimbo. Thank you very much for a fantastic week. Uh, not looking so pretty now. Hey, there's no need for that. <laughs> He's being horrible. Oh, he is being horrible. So, Myla, have, have you uh, have you flown with any of the uh, the sort of the Emirati type airlines, Qatar, Emirates, or uh, Etihad? No, 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 no. I haven't been that fortunate yet. No, but no, me, me neither. <laughs> but you'd like to. I'd love to. Yeah, good. I'll actually, just go on off that. I was looking at the flight prices, you know, to go to Dubai. And the the prices are really good at the moment. Are they? Yeah, yeah. The prices have come down a lot in the last few yeah to uh, Dubai. Okay. So next story. Moving on. Next story. Yes, Mm -hmm. this is also on the Breaking Travel News website, and it is the headline: Ryanair 
Ryanair, really? Really? <laughs> There's a shock. I've got the Ryanair story. Uh, Ryanair welcomes the latest Boeing 737-800 milestone. So this is a bit of good news for Ryanair. Boeing and Ryanair have marked the latest milestone in their partnership with the delivery of the airline's 400th next-generation 737-800. The Irish low-cost carrier operates the largest fleet of next-generation 737-800s in the world. The Boeing 737-800, could they put 737-800 in a story anymore uh, with its industry-leading technical reliability and seating capacity has been the foundation upon which our successful and safe growth has been built upon since we took our first delivery in March 1999, says Ryanair Chief Operations Officer Michael Hickney. Uh, this uh, We are delighted uh, to be now taking delivery of our 400th 737-800, which includes the new Boeing Sky interior and slimline seats, offering extra legroom and an enhanced customer experience as part of our Always Getting Better program. Ryanair pioneered the low-cost model in Europe more than 30 years ago, with the next-generation 737-800 providing the optimal platform for its continued growth. Ryanair is the largest Boeing operator in Europe, with more than 1,800 days daily flights carrying 106 million passengers annually to more than 30 countries. A key factor in Ryanair's continued success is the outstanding economics of the next generation 737-800, said Monty Oliver, who is the Vice President of European Sales Boeing Commercial Airlines. This 400th 737 delivery is a special milestone for both our companies and we are honoured that Ryanair continues to be an all-Boeing operator. Ryanair has more than 130 unfilled ordered orders for the next generation 737-800 and is also the launch customer for the 737 MAX 200. Now, what's the difference? What's what's the MAX 200? Yeah, this uh, they're going to be the launch customer for that. The MAX 200, I think, is... Um it's a, it's a slightly, I think it's a slightly larger version right. of the. Uh, it's, it's a 737 Max 200. They've got a hundred of those on order. They can carry 197 passengers. Right. Okay. Uh, which is slightly more than the 189 that yeah. the 800 does. The Dash 8. Okay. Um, yeah. It's about. So it's an extra. What's it? 89 to 97 is. Um, what's that in, in English? Uh, eight, eight more passengers. No, eight, or nine, but yeah. eight passengers. Yeah. Excellent. Eight passengers. Maths was never my maths. Was never my strong point. No, no, no. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> No, they've, they've got those. They've got those on order. Yeah, so that's, that's good. and it's quite rare, actually, isn't it, for for a carrier to be purely one plane, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of air air um, air, air, uh, air airlines. Sorry, yeah. I can't remember words out here. Let's just drink. What's, I'm it, what's air. in your tea? A lot, lot of airlines do prefer to have to have one aircraft, you know, type of aircraft yeah. in their fleet because you know it just makes more I mean, sense. Yeah, it does it's make cost more effective. sense. Yeah, yeah. We're um, carrying the same set of spares, for example, yeah. if they're all seven three seven eight hundreds. Um, but also, don't forget, like we covered a few weeks back, and Ryanair yeah. do also have that Dash 700, um, which is their, their corporate charter one yeah. that they do. We, we covered that in a, in a yeah. few stories early, didn't we? Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, um, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, aren't I? Go on, uh, fire Ma- away. Micah? Micah? Yes, oh, excellent. Uh, uh, Micah, Micah says that it's, it's actually Southwest is all 737s as well. Yeah, Southwest yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, they've got a huge fleet of 737s. Yeah. Mostly um, 800 variant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the um, Ryanair have mostly, or Ryanair have got all the 800s apart from that 700 <laughs> they've got. But Ma- um, Mash has put with the, with the funky splitlets. With the, all the splitlets, yeah, the, uh, the sharklets. Oh, I see. Right. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. All the, yeah. uh, all the scimitar. Yes, the scimitar. The scimitar <laughs> wing. That's it. Well done, Milo. Well done. Okay. Right, so moving on, the next story is all yours, Myla. Yes, just a second. There it is. Norwegian sees passenger growth continue in March. So that's great. 
Increased demand from both business and le leisure passengers contributed to Norwegian's growth in March. The company carried almost 2.2 million passengers this month, an increase of 27% compared to March last year. The load factor was 87.9%, up 3.7 percentage points. The March traffic figures are characterized by growth and higher load factor. However, it needs to be taken into account that Scandinavian pilot strike in March of 2015 affected figures last year. In addition, the traffic growth is affected by the fact that Easter did not extend into April this year. So I guess one and one makes two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and Norwegian <laughs> carried 2,195,037 passengers in March. An increase of 27% compared to the same month previous year. So they've been doing well. Yeah, they have been doing well. They've yeah. got um, they've they've got an all Boeing fleet as well. Have they? Yeah, Norwegian. Uh, they've got um, their short haul fleet, which is all the seven three seven eight hundreds. They've also got uh, orders for the Max Eight seven three seven Max Eight. Mm -hmm. They've got a hundred of those on order. But their long haul fleet, they've got the um, they've got the uh, Dreamliner for their long haul fleet. Uh, the 787-8, mm. and they've also got uh, one 787-9 in uh, in in you know in, in working as well with yeah. them. Uh, but they've also got uh, quite a lot of. Well, they've got 31 787-9s on order right. Gosh, have, for fine. their long haul yeah. fleet. So they're sort of, they're all Boeing as well, as you say. Yeah, they're all Boeing. Yeah, they're all Boeing fleet. Um, they're a really popular airline as well, Norwegian. Yeah. Um, I've never flown on Norwegian. Have you flown on Norwegian, Milo, or? No, I haven't, no. but I have some classmates who applied to Norwegian, and they're really growing a lot, and they, they were hiring lots of people. Okay. So, yeah. All ah, right. Ooh, yes, you can tell same. from that and uh, that they're also trying to become bigger and be more competitive on the market. So. Cool. It's mm -hmm. good. One to what, an airline to watch out for, then, by the sound of it. Definitely, like yeah. Like yeah. Definitely it is, proven. it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So next story on Flight Global. And uh, this is a picture story as well, and I pick I chose this one because it's uh, it's, it's an aircraft. It's not that old, but uh, A N A or Al Nippon Air or All Nippon Airways, Al Nippon Airways, however you want to say it, <laughs> uh, are retiring uh, the uh, the seven three seven dash seven hundred ER from its fleet. Uh, in response to queries made by Flight Global, the carrier says the type's retirement was made in line with the plans to raise capacity on routes previously operated by the aircraft to the larger Boeing 787. Uh, one such route includes the Tokyo uh, Narita Mumbai route. Uh, during the nine years the Star Alliance member operated the aircraft, it was used to launch the new international services such as Tokyo Narita to Gangzhou, Mumbai and Yangon. Uh, with its retirement, ANA plans to sell both the aircraft it has, the 700 series ERs it has, and uh, it's operated two of these aircraft since 2007, bearing registrations JA10AN and uh, JA13AN. Uh, each aircraft is equipped with a different configuration. Uh, JA10 Alpha November has 24 seats in business class and 20 in economy class, uh, while JA13 Alpha November is configured with 38 all business class seats. Both aircraft were put into storage. Uh, in the oh, in March on the twenty seventh of March this year, so they're mm. in storage. But uh, relatively new aircraft, yeah, uh, the seven hundred, indeed. Um, but obviously, you know, they're they're moving on to the Dreamliner because it carries more people uh, on these routes. Um, but uh, it's funny to see these both these aircraft, as it says here, were were uh, configured with 
with quite a, a, a sort of small density with uh, business class seats, um, you know, sort of matching the economy class seats yeah. and they're in the you know the configuration. But um, there's a picture there Matt can put on the screen of the 700 ER, mm. and you'll see it's got the uh, it's got the winglets. Right. It's got the uh, the sharklets, I should say, or yeah. if you want to call them sharklets or winglets, uh, on there. And uh, picture's Indeed. not on the screen. What's oh sorry, oh, sorry, Matt's ter- sorry. Oh, we'll put a picture <laughs> on the screen there. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was looking at something else. I'll explain. I'll explain. Oh, he'll explain while I go. There we go. There yeah. is the picture there of yeah. the uh, one of the two aircraft that uh, Al Nippon are retiring. Yeah. But uh, it, as you say, it's not an old aircraft. It's, no, they'll be snapped up. They'll really? be, yeah, yeah they'll. People, I mean, will, um, yeah, someone, will, uh, you know, an airline will will definitely, definitely buy those mm. aircraft because they're they're yeah. just they're probably relatively low um, air miles aircraft. No, indeed. Yeah. Um, so they'll be snapped up. I, I should I, I should apologise. Sorry, the reason why I wasn't concentrating. He's they, in the chat. Room. Uh, they, no, they were no? chatting. They were chatting in the in the chat room about obviously because Pip's doing his marathon. He's still in the chat room. And one of the questions he asked was, "Is is uh, the sponsorship still open?" That was from Ryan. And uh, the answer is yes. If you haven't donated already and you are up for it, as I say, because he is, uh, coll- you know, collecting money for a fantastic cause. <laughs> yeah. um, stop. As I say, you can see why I was laughing and yeah. got distracted now. And uh, but if you haven't done so, Pip has actually put a uh, a link to his uh, donation uh, on on his page. So if you go to www.allthews.plainsafetypodcast.com, and there's a special um, link there for. Uh, Making donations, um, but I think it's fine. <laughs> and and Martian's saying, I absolutely love that. If Pip, if we don't, if you don't finish the race, do we? All do we all get our money back? back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no pressure then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no is the oh, answer. No. But uh, yeah, absolutely. As I say, if you can spare even just a pound, uh, you know, just a bigger pocket change, yeah. Um, then uh, yeah, definitely. As I say, we we've donated. And, uh, yeah, as I say, all, all the very best of luck. And hopefully Pitt will be joining us on the show while he's next doing week. his marathon yeah. next week. So Absolutely. we can so we can all cheer him on and make Yay! sure that he finishes Fingers his crossed. marathon. Absolutely. You yes. get this. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend anyway. He doesn't need our help. Anyway, on to the next story because it's all about aeroplanes and I keep forgetting that. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is on the Breaking Travel News website. And the headline is Airbus selects Rockwell Collins for high-speed internet deal. Airbus has selected Rockwell Collins as a lead supplier of high bandwidth connectivity for the Airbus A320 single aisle family of aircraft and long range A330 and A380 aircraft. Uh, under the terms of the agreement, airlines purchasing Airbus aircraft will se- uh, can select HBC from Rockwell Collins to meet the growing demand for high-speed connectivity. In our day-to-day conversations with our online customers, the need for high-speed connectivity is top of mind. The solution we're providing meets the significant pressure airlines are getting from their passengers to provide a superior connectivity service while flying, says Greg Ehrman, Vice President and General Manager of Flight Controls and Information Systems at Rockwell Collins. We're excited to be part of the movement to bring people together around the world, no matter where they can be. As a lead supplier, Rockwell Collins will collaborate with Airbus to develop and deploy both a line-fit and retrofit HBC system to ensure an end-to-end managed SATCOM solution. Specific details about the technology solution will be released as they are finalised. Airbus's HBC selection builds upon Rockwell Collins's extensive amount of next-generation systems it uh, supplies the aircraft maker. Numerous Rockwell Collins systems are standard on the Airbus A350XWB. 
and options for the A320 and A330 aircraft families. Most recently, Rockwell Collins was selected by Airbus to supply its electronic flight bag interface and communications unit, which is part of its secure server route router portfolio as options on the A320 and the A330s. Now, is it just me? I love. Don't get me wrong. And I'm a I'm a I'm a technology nut. I love tech. I can't. That's get why I chose the story for you. Tech, hmm. but I kind of. I think. I mean, you alluded to. I think when we in last week's story, uh, what what happened to just looking out of the window and enjoying the view? Yeah, that is true. I mean, I love. I loved. I love technology. I can't get enough of it. I, the only reason this studio is full of so much technology <laughs> is because I can't get enough of the stuff. But you know, some. I mean, there are some places like where you shouldn't. Well, you don't need technology. Do you know what I mean? You know, you don't need to be online just be, you know, when you're in the aeroplane. Can you, you know, just have three hours off of Facebook? Do you know? What I mean? Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> you know, as is, and, and I think you said before, wasn't it? The best HD screen you'll ever find is the one out of the window. One out of the window. Very, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very true. You know, I mean, I, 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 I know it seems strange a guy who loves his tech so much, but like, just you don't need it in the air. You really don't, you know. No. Just, just, just talk to the person you're flying with for five minutes. No, no. don't talk to the wife. Okay, no. my apologies. <laughs> anyway, how, how do what? What about you, Marla? Have you have you done any, any long haul flights yourself? I mean, do you? Um... I have actually, yeah, yeah, to the United States and back. Okay. Um, for my training. Wow. Um, but I slept most of the way, I guess, and you can I had sleep? a book and. Yeah, <laughs> apparently yeah. people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's only Carlos that can't. I fall asleep I, on the airplane. I got as well. a window seat on the way there, but I didn't get a window seat on the way back. So I was glad I, I was glad I slept through most of the way back. Right. Um, but the window seat was awesome, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I cannot imagine why people would not want to have a window seat and enjoy the view and just, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no, it's good. But but what I was thinking about was if you put 200 people in a room and you give all of them their smartphone or their tablet or whatever mm. it is, imagine the kind of connection you'd have to well, have to provide, yeah. mm. you know, good running internet and... Yeah, this is. It. I mean, it is possible with satellites and stuff, but the, the options are quite limited, as, as as you were saying. Also, Mash has put a good point in in the chat room. Where he just said, "Really, I can I can understand for business travellers, uh, but I'm being fi I'm fine being off the grid for a few hours." Yeah. I think, yeah, I suppose if you are do if you are travelling for for business. Uh, then, then having access to, to the internet so that you can carry on working, mm. if you like, because there are people who spend a lot of time in the air, moving from from place to place, yeah. don't they? So I, I, I kind of get that actually. Do you know, sometimes, you know, like, sometimes I do here at home. I, sometimes I will just put my phone upstairs yeah, on silence, just have a few hours leave off it, the grid, and yeah, yeah just just be off, yeah, off grid yeah. for a while. But no, I mean, I can't sleep when I'm flying, and I'm even long haul. Yeah, but that's because you're insanely I'm so, excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 I find the whole the whole flying yeah. experience from start to finish is just even now. I mean, I've been flying for so many yeah. years now, and it just every time I just love it. It's and yeah, yeah, me, I'm literally grip, gripping onto the air re armrest, hoping that hoping that nothing goes wrong, hating every minute of it, but. Uh, there we are. It's uh, it's all part of the fun. Anyway, on to the next story then. The uh, next story is... And that would be the next the story minor. is Alaska Air Group yeah. to acquire Virgin America. Oh, So Alaska really? Air Group is to take over U.S. budget carrier Virgin America in an agreement uh, the operator values at some $4 billion. Um, it says the 
acquisition has been unanimously approved by the boards of both carriers. So um, Alaska Air Group, the parent of Alaska Airlines, will pay uh, $57 per share in cash for Virgin America, the equivalent of $2.6 billion US dollars in wow. equity value. The remainder of the transaction value is calculated from Virgin American debt and capitalized aircraft operating leases. It's expected to achieve $225 million in annual net synergies upon full interrogation with low-cost carrier Virgin America and is estimating one of interrogation costs of 300 to $350 million. Wow. That's a lot of numbers. It is. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, this is a huge story, though, as, as, as yeah. Carl was... Carl was sort of like alluding to. I mean, this is this is a big, big story. It um, is. It's, is yeah. uh, but then that is what Virgin does, isn't it? He 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 usually is the exception in, here in the, in this country is the fact that it's still all Richard Branson owned, isn't it? Mm. Um, but he quite you know he that's what he does. He creates a product that everybody wants, yeah, and no, then I've, he sells it. I've no idea how how much you know. I mean, Alaska Group they're going to require Virgin America. I've yeah. no idea. Um, what the actual what, numbers what are. the actual numbers are with yeah. uh, with you know percentage wise of, yeah. the, of the company and stuff, but mm. it, it'll make Alaska a huge airline. But fifty seven dollars um, per share is is quite a lot of money. Yeah, Alaska mm. Airlines. But uh, we don't we don't know what the share is that they're buying, do we? I mean, it, presumably they're buying enough to to have the controlling stake. I, I'd I imagine assume. so. Yeah, yeah. but um, uh, they've, they've got old Boeing really fleet as well. Alaska are they? Yeah, their current yeah. fleet. Alaska. What, what about fleet. Virgin? Uh, Virgin of all Airbus, their right. Virgin America um, mm. are an all. I think they're all A three twenties. The Virgin America, uh, and it will be interesting to see what what Alaska does. Whether they'll keep the um, whether they'll keep the Airbuses right. that they acquire through the acquisition of um, of Virgin America, or whether they'll get rid of the A three twenties and take uh, and get some more Boeing's in. Mm. But because, uh, like I said, at, um, at the moment, Alaska are all Boeing's yeah. uh, in their fleet. Um, they've got a mix of seven threes and and also um, the right. 400s, 700s, 800s, and 900s. It'll be interesting to see them when when they do have to, you know, when when they essentially own Virgin Atlantic, whether they'll stick America. with Boeing, Virgin America, Virgin America, yeah. sorry, whether they'll stick with um, whether they'll stick with Boeing or or, or Airbus. Yeah, they've got 152 see. Boeing yeah. aircraft, Alaska. That's okay. quite a lot. What, what, um, what's um, Virgin, Virgin America? I don't think they're I'm not off the top of my head without looking. I don't mm. think their fleet is. Um, uh, is as big. Uh, I, would, I I think that they'll um, they'll probably sell all because I think the Virgin American ones are leased. Yeah, they've right. got sixty. Okay, um, right. Virgin America, they've got sixty okay. uh, Airbus. So they so they may move. They they may sort of maybe sell off the Airbus and and, and maybe go down. Yeah, lease or put them send them back to the leaser. Oh right, um, oh, well, they're only leased. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. They've got they've got three nineteens and three twenties. Uh, right. Virgin America. So okay. so yeah. Yeah, good. So there we go. That, that should be sure. It's asking a very good question. Actually, saying, is, is Virgin America a big player in the US? Yes, Virgin America. I mean, I've, when we were in Vegas, they were flying in and out of McCarran Airport all the daily, right, all the okay. time. Wow, uh, Virgin America. So yeah, their um, their hubs are at Los Angeles mm. and San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. So moving on to the next story yes. on Float Global, and uh, this is a story that happened um, earlier this uh, this week, in mm. fact, and uh, it was covered, actually, I think it was covered on the Geek Show, they had this story as well. This was the uh, Batik 737 takeoff collision, 
which badly damaged a Transnusa ATR. Uh, one of the uh, Indonesian regional carriers, Transnusa Air Services, uh, they had an ATR 42-600, uh, which has been seriously damaged in a ground collision with a 737-800, uh, conducting its final takeoff roll from Jakarta Airport. Uh, damage to the Batik Air uh, 737 indicates that it struck the ATR with its left wing uh, wing tip during departure from runway 24 in darkness uh, around 5 to 8 in the evening. Uh, the ATR 42 uh, registered Papa Kilo Tango November Juliet and with only around 18 months on its time, so it's a relatively new aircraft, uh, sustained substantial damage to its airframe, including uh, the loss of most of its left wing, as well as its vertical tail fin and horizontal stabiliser. It had been under tow by a tractor at the time of the accident, according to Batik Air, which uh, is a division of Indonesia's Lion Group. Batik Air says uh, the 737-800 had been operating flight ID 7703 to Makassar, and that the aircraft had been released for takeoff by air traffic control at Halim Panadakanasuma <laughs> Airport. Wow, that's a huge name. The what now? Yeah. Uh, the jet was uh, uh, similarly a relatively young airframe, having been delivered towards the end of 2014. The crew aborted the takeoff after the impact, wow. and uh, Batik describes the incident as a nudge dis- uh, despite the extensive damage to the aircraft and the outbreak of fire after the collision. Wow. 49 passengers and 7 crew members have been on board the 737, so not a full aircraft at all, and uh, they were evacuated uh, down the slides. The yeah. Indonesia's transport ministry states that all passengers and crew uh, were evacuated with no fatalities. Is there, is there any pictures of, of, of the actual damage? No, there aren't. We uh, no, we didn't actually. There was some photos online mm. actually on that. Uh, yeah. There are some actually. There are some photos. If you go to uh, the Aviation Herald website, brilliant right. uh, website uh, run by Simon there. Um, if you go onto there, there are some uh, pictures that were taken of uh, the aircraft. I mean, the seven three seven has got quite some damage to the wingtip. It's very, yeah, it's okay. quite uh, nasty. But the uh, the ATR forty two um, is is quite a mess. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's uh, quite a mess. Yeah. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see who they pin down as the fault to that. Perhaps yeah. that's, that's something that Pip could look at. One of the stories yeah. that he yeah. could look at. On it's always very seconds. tricky, isn't it? I suppose it's, you've got to know. You know, the lines are always quite blurred with regard to who has, pri- who has priority. Essentially, well, the way I see it, the yeah. seven, the uh, ATR was being towed off the runway yeah. by a tractor. Okay. Okay. The seven three seven had been cleared for takeoff, was firing down the runway, and the the ATR clearly hadn't cleared right. the runway okay. in time. Right, okay. hence the reason the wingtip. But of the but did he did it. he not clear the runway? Was it because the person who was, yeah? So it sounds like so the so the, the person the instruction was incorrect to take off essentially, or or the person towing the uh, ATR didn't wasn't uh, where he should have let been. the uh, control yeah. tower know. Look, I'm there. clear of the runway. Yeah, let's um, go. Yeah, you know, runway is clear. So yeah, as yeah. you say, let's see let's see what the outcome of that that story is then, because not a good story really. I mean, that's not what you want just as you're taking off. Never mind. So anyway, next story. Yeah, next story. This is on uh, Flight Global again. 
And uh, the headline is TAP Portugal to be the first operator of the A330 Neo. Now, Ooh. that's the new engine option. New engine it? option, yeah. yeah. Get me, get me. I know, he's learning. Uh, TAP <laughs> Portugal is to be the first carrier to operate the re-engined Airbus A330 Neo, taking delivery of the type towards the end of 2017. The identity of the launch operator has been disclosed by the airframer during a briefing at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg. TAP has or TAP, I don't know whether it's TAP or whether it's TAP. Anyway, we'll say TAP. Uh, has 14 of the A330 900 Neo tw- uh, twin jets on order. The aircraft will be fitted with Rolls Royce Trent 7000 engines. The uh, airline converted to the A330 Neo, having previously selected the A350 800 before switching to the A350 900 under a strategic shift. Uh, to its fleet modernization plan following privatization last year. TAP, or TAP, will become the first carrier to take delivery of the new airspace by Airbus cabin layout for the A330 Neo, a revamped interior unveiled by the airframer back in March. The airliner has previously stated that the A330 Neos will have 304 seats, including 32 business class, 96 premium economy and 176 economy seats. Uh, TAP Chief Commercial Officer Trey Urban uh, describes the new cabin design as innovative, adding that uh, it provides an exciting and flexible canvas. Airbus uh, Airspace by Airbus will feature new LED-based lighting, larger overhead luggage bins. Oh, that's the magic word, isn't it? Larger overhead luggage oh, yeah, bins. Uh, updated, oh, great news, updated lavatory modules, everyone, <laughs> and the latest connectivity and in-flight entertainment systems. So the A330neo... Yep. Uh, new engine option, as Matt said. Yeah. Um, the engine that's going to be powering this will be there will only be one engine option. It's a new engine option, but it's only one type of engine that will be powering this aircraft. It'll be the Rolls Royce Trent Seven Thousand. Mm. Um, will be the only uh, option for the aircraft. Mm. Um, the um, as we said, the launch custom TAP yeah. expected the fourth quarter of two thousand seventeen. Yeah. If you want to buy one of these aircraft, yeah. if you want to just uh, go and uh, ring up Boeing and, and uh, purchase one of these aircraft, they're doing two. They're doing an eight hundred and a nine hundred okay. Neo uh, on the three thirty, and uh, they're going to start at around two hundred and fifty-two point three million dollars. So did, are um, they doing any buy one get one free offers? Unfortunately, no. not. Okay. And if you want so the nine hundred, <laughs> uh, that's going to set you back two hundred and eighty-seven point mm. uh, seven million. Uh, dollars uh, at current prices, but obviously we all know that airlines don't pay the, uh, the, the, list, the prices. list prices. Actually, just before we move on to the next story, I'm just going to say because Pip's now off because he's got to go and do some work. Oh, bye, Pip. Uh, which is always a shame. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, just so if you if you can spare some pocket change, he is doing his marathon next weekend, next Sunday. He's running the running the London marathon. So if uh, you have got a bit of spare uh, pocket change, take yourself to www.plainsafetypodcast.com. The link to his donation page is on there. If you can spare any money, I'm sure he would really appreciate the moral support and. Uh, from all of us here, we'll say we'll hopefully speak to him next week. But uh, from all of us here, good luck, Pip. And just as a quick offshoot from that last story, Matt, yes. you said that TAP are going to be having the first one of those. Yes. They weren't actually the first customer to order the Were they not? No. The first customer to uh, to or, to order the A330 Neo was actually Delta Airlines back in 2014. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, TAP are quite relatively new. They ordered. Mm. They put their orders in in uh, November 2015. Okay. Uh, the latest orders being from uh, Guada Indonesia 
Uh, they've yeah. ordered uh, 14 of the 900s uh, in January this year. Okay. So it's funny that, that TAP are going to be the launch customer, considering yeah. they weren't the first ones to order. No, no, a bit so, strange, really. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was first come, first yeah, serve. absolutely. There we go. Right, so next uh, story. Indeed. All right, it's the Fly Dubai 737 Crash Probe. This stabilizer shifted to nose down. To get close, that the horizontal stabilizer of the crashed flight by Boeing 737-800 transitioned to nose-down pitch at a height of 900 meters, roughly 3,000 feet, as the crew attempted a second go-round. And the aircraft, which has been climbing out of the approach to Rost- Don, subsequently entered a dive from which it failed to recover. Russia's federal air transport regulator, Rostovis, Rosaviastia <laughs> has outlined the sequence of the fatal 19 March accident. That, that's no worse a pronunciation than I would have made to be fair, fair, fair Myla, so what's on there? <laughs> it's a try. <laughs> it is definitely a challenge. <laughs> um, it At the 4th April safety bulletin. So mm. while it has not been disclosed conclusions about the crash, it says the Commission of Inquiry has recommended that the 737 operators be urged to study go-around procedures and handling of aircraft, mm-hmm. particularly in regard to longitudinal flight control. So basically what they're saying is you should not have pitched down, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, as I say, this is the sort of the follow-on, isn't it? Fly Dubai 737 crash probe. Uh, the stabilizer shifted to nose down. So I think that this was... Uh, yeah, as I say, the investigators had disclosed that, had, uh, disclosed that the horizontal stabiliser of the crashed Dubai Boeing 737-800 transitioned to nose-down pitch at a height of 900 metres. I wonder, yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, well, to see how they get to the bottom of that, because that, that is a worrying... Yeah, that's... that's Wait, but so it doesn't state if it was pilot input or yeah. technical yeah. failure. And this yeah. is it, yeah. And, you know, those are two extremely different things. And then saying, you know, maybe you should, get, you guys should, you know, study your go-around procedures. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. kind of... It, it would suggest maybe that, that preliminary, um, uh, you know, accident reports, if you like, have suggested that it perhaps wasn't entirely down to... Um, the, the pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah essentially, I mean, yeah. They, well, they haven't really released a huge amount of data as no. to what they found on the... Yeah. Uh, but then it's still the quite early days, recorders. isn't it? So hmm. Exactly. And, and, and... There's only one way to get an airplane from up to down, and that's by, you know, pointing the nose down yeah, and yeah. and and taking away the power. Yeah. So that is kind of obvious. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, as I, I mean, say, that that aircraft. When we saw the videos, didn't we? That aircraft mm. came down at such a, a yeah. steep angle, yeah. a steep really, angle. really, that was really absurd. steep angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any situation where that that particular was dive terrible. was acceptable in anything other than something that was completely out of someone's control. I mean, it's very bizarre, isn't it? Hello to uh, Peter Johnson, who's in uh, in the chat room. He's uh, just popped in to say hello in the chat room. So good morning <laughs> to you, Peter Johnson. Uh, he's uh, he's from the Extended uh, Show over here in the UK. Oh, cool. Yeah, good morning to you, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so sorry, folks. Saturday morning, parental duties. Enjoy the show so far. Sorry I have to fly. Love aviation and enjoying the show. So well done and catch up soon. Yeah, lovely. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, good. That's good. Love it. And and I was just thinking about, you know, flying that ILS and sometimes or sometimes there is a technical possibility that you mm. might pick up um an alternate 
positive signal that yeah, is going yeah. to give you a much more steeper angle. Right. Um, but even if that happens, that angle is not going to be as steep as what you could see in the picture. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if you would, as a pilot, if you would pick up on that extremely steep angle and high speed, you would still uh, say, I'm not stabilized, I'm going around. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes the situation even more tricky. Yeah, well, I, know, I mean, uh, I we did say on the we did say on the story. If you remember that, that mm. one of the aircraft that was coming into land before him, yeah, did had aborted go, because go, of the weather. Went, yeah, yeah, he yeah, he went absolutely. he went to the alternative. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll never really know what the decision was behind uh, behind not doing the same, really. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it mu I'd, much I'd be more very detailed. Yeah, I'll be very surprised if they find it's a fault with the. Um, you know, with the air with the aircraft because right, you know okay. it's such a popular aircraft. You yeah. know, it, yeah, it's but the, the, not all mm. aircraft are in fact. I know. Well, I mean, yeah, this has we been proven know. before, hasn't it? Sorry, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, everyone. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but uh, yes, absolutely. So yeah, I think the long and the short of it is there's much more detail still oh, yeah. to be released. Yeah, there'll about be this, there'll be more stuff come out. Yeah, about that. absolutely. So next story. Oh, go on, Molly. Oh, oh no, I was just going to add that that's really where the Swiss cheese factor comes in. Yeah. You know, there's so many options there that all have to Agreed. align for something yeah. that big to happen. So yeah, yeah. Really, I, I, Matt, you you shouldn't worry as much. No, no. I guess, <laughs> no. I, I'm. I, just, I All I want is I. I just want. I just hope that they get a definitive answer as to what. And happened. they will. Uh, I hope. Sure I hope they, they do because yeah. you know it's. I mean, let's be honest. We've still got an airplane that's missing. You know the uh, the flight MH was it three seventy three seventy. I mean that uh, they they reckon they found a piece, haven't, don't they, or of it? Um, yeah, I mean they keep finding these little pieces of the aircraft. Mm, yeah, um, you yeah. know it's it's a shame they can't locate. But this the is it. We're never. Go I don't I think we're ever going to actually know. know what truly happened with that, and and that's what that's what makes me nervous. But uh, anyway, yes, on to the next story. The next story uh, yeah. and flight global and uh, the headline Rossia. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, yeah. Mile will probably, if I've got that wrong, Rossier receives uh, 747-400 uh, in new colours. Mm -hmm. See, there's still airlines using the good old 747-400. Yeah. So Aeroflot Group carrier Rossier has taken delivery of a Boeing 747-400 bearing the revised and modernised livery of the newly consolidated carrier. Rossier Air, uh, Air's aircraft arrived from repainting in Dublin. Ooh. Uh, the airline is expanding its fleet with uh, aircraft formerly operated by Transaero before its mm. collapse last year. Uh, the airline says that uh, as part of the revamp, aircraft will carry the names of Russian cities. The first 747 will be naturally named after the carrier's St. Petersburg base. Flight Global's Fleet's Analyzer database shows the aircraft uh, Echo India X-Ray Lima Echo is a General Electric CF6-powered airframe produced in 1999, cool. uh, which was originally de uh, delivered to Japan Airlines before being transferred to Transero. Rossier's operation is being reinforced with the integration of Aeroflot Group's carriers Oranair and Donavia. The new livery is based on an aircraft contrail with elements resembling turbine blades and the titles are designed to reflect the dynamic character of the brand, the carrier says. Mm. Rossier chairman Vadim Zingman says the colour scheme will give the impression of movement and flight even when the aircraft is on the ground. Repainting the rest of the fleet will be carried out in accordance with the planned maintenance schedules. If I'm honest with you, I'm not sure about this. Let's just, uh, for those of you quite like who this. are watching it I on YouTube. I actually quite like um, this. Yeah, I, I, see, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about this. It makes me feel quite sick. If I'm honest, it doesn't work for me in any way, shape, or form. What do you think of that, Myla? 
I love it. Really? <laughs> well, I bow to your superior knowledge on style really, and stuff. Really, really awesome. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of the um, early New Zealand. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, I'll give Black you that. Black and white-ish. Yeah, no, no, I, I, yes, I see what you mean there. Yeah, I, I, Not for me, personally. Um, of course, I'd, I'd, prefer, I'd prefer it to be in blue, but in then blue. blue is my favourite colour. But, is um, it? Yes. Is but that because no, a certain airline that you're a fan of has blue in their livery? No? No, no not at all. No, no, I'm, just try, no. I'm just trying to ascertain the blue <laughs> fascination, where, where the link blue. comes from, because I'm almost certain that it involves, well, other than the sky. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Ma- Masha's put in the chat room, she uh, doesn't like it. No, see, no. I'm, I'm with Masha, I'm with no. Masha. I, I personally don't like it, but uh, it, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like something's gone horribly wrong with a paint gun. Mike has put uh, it. <laughs> Uh, Micah's put looks like a white peach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn, turning, uh, yeah, turning, turning the pink, pink in, in the sun. Yeah, and yeah, no, I see what you mean. That's are gonna... you are you guys seeing a different picture than me? Because I think it's great. Yeah, well, I no. think oh, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like no, this one. No, no, it's just me. I think I don't know. Uh, I, don't I think know. the the seven four seven four hundred looks good anyway, oh, regardless. Because I love it's it's in my top five of um, is it yeah, must have aircraft? Five, yes. Must have aircraft. Yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> anyway, before the controversy continues, I think we should move on to the uh, penultimate story, and uh, this is um, on Flight Global again. And the headline is Airbus to deliver first US built A321 on the 25th of April. Somebody's left their phone on in the studio. Oh, yeah. Airbus will deliver the first US built Airbus A320 family aircraft to JetBlue Airways on the 25th of April. The aircraft, an A321, will be handed to the New York based carrier at a ceremony at Airbus's factory in Mobile uh, in Alabama. Jet- mobile. Alabama. Mobile. Oh, sorry. Mobile. Well, it says Mobile. M-O- B I L E. It's Mobile Alabama. <laughs> City. Uh, yeah, it's a JetBlue chief executive, Robin Hayes, and Airbus chief operating officer for customers, John Leahy, will uh, attend the event. Hayes also t- uh, told Flight Global late last month that he expected the aircraft to be delivered in late April. The A321 made its first flight on the 21st of March. It bears the manufacturer's serial number 6512 and registration November 96. Five Juliet Tango. Flight Global's fleet analyzer shows Airbus officially opened the Mobile factory on the 14th of September 2015, although the site was up and running for several months prior to that. The final assembly line will produce up to four A320 family aircraft each month by 2018. That's very exciting. There's a nice little picture there. I'll just stick it up there. It's a nice little picture of JetBlue's aircraft. Yeah, just to to clarify, Mike has just put a very valid point in the chat room, actually. Okay. Um, Because, like like you you just said, Matt, the headline says, if I go back to the top here where it is at there, U.S. to deliver the first U.S. built. Right. That should really say U.S. assembled. Okay. Because the parts are built by a, a, you know, Airbus in, right. in Europe. Okay. Then they're, they're shipped out to there, right. and it's okay. assembled in the U.S. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah they, they, I mean, I mean, that's funny if Flight Global get that wrong, really. But, yeah, uh, well. I mean, it, it, I mean, you could say it's U.S. built. I mean, it is built in the yeah. U.S. to get as in put together built. But, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, it, Technically, it's assembled in the US. I think, I think they're using the fact that it's assembled on American soil to maybe express more interest. Perhaps they're trying to get more interest in on the, in the, on the American market, uh, perhaps. And I know the Mer- Americans are very fond of stuff being having been made in the US. US so yeah, perhaps yeah. that's what they're, uh, they're playing on, if I'm honest. But, uh, no, so thanks for knows? that, Micah. Yeah, absolutely. A very val- valid point, as you say, because it's US assembled rather than US built because the parts are shipped in from Europe. 
So we have a top ten. Do we? We haven't had one of these for a very long time. No, absolutely. We do have a top ten. So have I got to try and put pictures up on this one as well? Yeah, we'll we'll put the pictures up on the screen. I think me and me and Milo will share uh, will share the top ten. Okay, yes, uh, that's fine. um, So uh, I'll I'll do I'll do the usual. um, Ladies first. I'll let I'll let Milo start off from number ten. Always go first. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with number ten. So at the bottom of the story. So this is the world's busiest. Airport <laughs> number ten. So and number ten, that's Dallas Fort Worth, Texas, USA. Absolutely. Rounding rounding off the top ten is American Airlines Mega Hub Dallas Fort Worth in Texas. It saw sixty four million passengers but slipped one place from the ninth into uh, from the ninth in the 2014 list. All oh, right, so they, they, they've lost a whole space. That's absolutely outrageous, honestly. Mm. There we go. So yeah, number nine. Number nine. It's Paris Charles de Gaulle in France. And the second busiest airport in Europe with 65 million passengers. However, its uh, hopes of surpassing Heathrow are not yet realised, partly due to a downturn in traffic at the end of the year because of terrorist threats. It slips one place, so that's Paris Charles de Gaulle. Uh, number eight. Right. Hong Kong. That's a challenge. Hong Kong, check luck, cock, China. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right. And um, more than 68 million passengers passed through Hong Kong in 2015. Up... Uh, 8.2% on the previous year. It retains its position as the world's busiest cargo airport. Wow, the world's busiest cargo airport. That's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, in at number seven. At number seven, it's Los Angeles International in the US, or LAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, another airport to fall into the list. LAX was the fifth in 2014, but now resides in seventh position. Despite this, the Californian hubs still saw a rise in passenger numbers over the previous years, thanks to new routes, larger aircraft, and infrastructure developments. And in at number six, London Heathrow. Yay! <laughs> the biggest loser this year. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Not yeah. cool. Formerly <laughs> the busiest international airport in the world, Heathrow is still the busiest in Europe. With 74.9 million passengers, it has dropped from third place in this year's list. So oh get back up there. Indeed, absolutely. I don't know. Well, they need another runway, don't they? This is half mm, the trouble with it. Anyway, uh, number five. At number five, it's Tokyo Haneda in that's Japan. That's an amazing looking... Sorry, I'm just going to put that picture up. That is an amazing looking airport. So with 75 million passengers, Tokyo's busiest airport is Haneda, which has grown in recent years thanks to new international slots being unlocked, which now brings many additional passengers every year. Ooh, and at number four... Chicago O'Hare International Airport in the USA. In the so, USA, yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks to a new runway, Chicago O'Hare was able to rise three places as it dealt with congestion and overcrowding. The American United Hub is the second busiest in the USA and is still seeing growth. You see, and this, so. is, this is the magic answer with this, you see, is the fact that they, they mentioned that the reason for their growth was a new runway. I know. A Hint. new Hint. runway, Heathrow. Hint, UK people. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Anyway, number three. So at number three, an airport I've flown into quite a few times now. It's Dubai International Airport in the UAE. Much was made of the news that Dubai became the busiest international airport in 2015. It also rose three places to become the third busiest airport overall, thanks to its excellent airline links and the size of Emirates Airline. Look at the picture there. There's I know, it's all amazing, those tiles. Yeah, Look. absolutely. Anyway, number two. Number two, Beijing Capital International in China. Uh, with... Oh. 9.15 reach Atlanta as was expected. Nevertheless, the mega Chinese hub is still set to be replaced by an even bigger airport in the coming years. Oh, right. Oh, wow. We had a bit That's of a fun. Skype flutter there, don't yeah, we? Yeah, a little bit of a Skype flutter. Yes, absolutely. There. But that was 89.9 million passengers in yeah. 2015. Exactly. Wow, yep. yeah, yeah, no, that's really quite amazing. That 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 is really anyway, finally at number one. So at number one for especially for all our listeners in the USA, you've beaten everyone to the post. Wow. And number one at the top slot is Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International airport in the US retaining its position at the top despite close competition from Beijing and Dubai Atlanta is home to Delta Airlines with its vast network and fleet of aircraft look at that wow. picture there I know isn't it amazing wow. that is such a huge sight. airport yeah. uh, with, uh, with, with more runways than what we have here in the whole yes, of the UK, in the whole of UK on one site <laughs> yes absolutely uh, I've, got a, I've got a good feeling. I think uh, I think maybe um, one of one of the other uh, podcast hosts, I think, flies uh, possibly flies out of that airport. He's probably been there. Certainly. He's probably been there. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he has. Yeah, yeah. He, he knows who we're talking yes, about. Yeah, does he? Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm amazed he has time to listen. Frankly, but, uh, <laughs> so we've uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, some military news then uh, coming up. Yeah, um, we've also got uh, a segment from Pip. We have, yep. And we've got a bit of listener feedback uh, sent in, audio feedback sent in, and okay. uh, a little bit of air show news. And we're going to get that all done, and then we we're going to have, have a little chat with Myla we all will. about her uh, flying career and, uh, and how, uh, how she loves to fly. Indeed. So, uh, so uh, brace yourself then, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to take a very big, very, very, very... <laughs> going to take a very quick break, and we are going to be right back after these messages. <laughs> Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com The Plain Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. And we're back. We Hello. Are. Hello, indeed. 
So I hope you in, uh, enjoyed uh, the first half of the show. Yeah, uh, we certainly did. Uh, thanks again uh, to uh, to Myla for joining us. Uh, I hope you're enjoying yourself still, Myla. I am. I am. It's great. Good, good, good. <laughs> thanks good. for having me. So I know. I'm super excited. She, we've she, we've got some questions time. actually in the chat room. We've, we have. We've, uh, we've got coming in to ask you. So uh, I hope you're ready for those later. A yeah. bit later. We'll see. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> so we have got. We segment. have we have got a segment from the legend that is Pilot Pip, and this we're going to have a cup of tea while we, we are going to have, have a cup of tea right? while that's on. So uh, well, yes, we're going to yes on that fund that uh, is getting topped up nicely. Thank you to all our Patreon uh, subscribers. Uh, but yes, the uh, we're the segment from Pilot Pip this week. He's actually talking about um, essentially emergency landings to a degree and where you land if you can't get to your runway. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi everybody, it's Pip here. I apologise for my absence from the podcast for the last two or three episodes, but I'm back now with just a very short segment and a little discussion, a little thought exercise on a story I read recently in the aviation press. Uh, You may have seen it yourself. In fact, maybe the guys have even already even talked about it. Uh, This was an incident that happened in the US uh, last week, maybe the week before, of a light aircraft, a light single-engine aircraft suffered an engine failure and landed on the highway on a road and in the process unfortunately crashed into a car and killed the motorist. Uh, Everyone on the aircraft was okay, I think there were three people, but as I say unfortunately the motorist was killed after this aircraft force landed onto a highway, onto a road. So I thought I'd have a little discussion at the some of the thought processes and the pros and cons of landing on a road or or what you might do after you suffer an engine failure. So we're really talking exclusively here about light aircraft, light single engine aircraft, the things that Carlos and and Matt Fabricius will be familiar with, so the the Cessnas and the Pipers, that sort of thing. And certainly PFLs or practice force landings are a big part of the PPL training syllabus. It's something you practice and train for over and over again. Because obviously with a single engine, if that engine quits, if it dies, if it breaks, then you're left with very few options except to uh, land somewhere. So it's important to have a very good idea of what's available to you and where you might ditch, where you might land your aircraft if, if the donkey, as we call it, does quit. And one of the options, of course, that you may have is to put it down on a road. However, here in the UK, and certainly when I did my PPL training and I've asked some instructor friends of mine the training here in the UK the advice given and the training given is very much to not land on a road or a highway in fact I would even go as far to say is that it's positively discouraged to plan to land on a road or a highway but I'll say right from the outset this really very much depends on the circumstances you find yourself in the area you're in at the time of day what's available you may find yourself with very few options. But generally speaking, landing on a road is pretty well discouraged here. It's a different story in the States, though, I understand, and there's some very good reasons for that as well. But what's taught in the PPL syllabus here in the UK is to, as soon as you've had an engine failure and as soon as you've carried out your immediate actions, is to identify a field in which to land in. Now, those of us in the UK and Northern Europe will know that the The landscape here is very much dominated by farmland and fields. So there's an abundance of choice, an abundance of fields from which to choose from. 
And of course, our flying over here and our, our low flying rules and our flying regulations do dictate that we shouldn't be flying over populated or built up areas like cities in a single engine aircraft. Now, that's a little bit different in the States. The, the culture there is very much uh, more minded towards using aeroplanes, light aircraft as a, a regular way of getting from A to B, as a, you know, much like you would with your car. Whereas here it's viewed as a, more of a hobby, as a kind of a, a rich person's sport. Whereas in the States, the culture there is very much different. It's a light aircraft is an everyday way of getting around your business, getting from A to B. So over there you can fly over congested uh, large cities in a single engine aircraft. Here the rules are different. You have to be able to glide clear uh, of any built-up areas. That's the basic guiding principle. If the engine quits, you need to be able to glide the aircraft to a, an unpopulated open area in which you could put your aircraft down. So for that reason, landing on a road is probably a little bit more prohibitive here because we'll, if you're following the rules, you'll be away from many of the roads. But also the roads here, as opposed to somewhere like the States, they tend to be quite, well, as we all know, those of us that live in the, in the uh, UK, Lots of windy country roads, often bordered by hedgerows and bushes and woods. And they're very windy and very narrow. Uh, and the other roads, the bigger roads, the A roads, the motorways, well, they are often quite congested. And, of course, you have it as a pilot, you have a duty of care to not injure other people. So if you're going to put it down on a road, you do run the risk, as we saw in this incident, of injuring other people. And you have a responsibility to to avoid that as best you can. So if you were to find a long straight road in the UK, chances are it'll be a, a, a big motorway or something like that. So more than likely it's going to be quite busy with cars, quite heavy congestion traffic, and there'll certainly be lots of uh, obstacles along the way. Power lines tend to run across roads. Uh, obviously all the street lighting we have, all the signs. So it's going to be quite difficult actually, in practical terms, to find an open long bit of road you could put... A, an aircraft safely down on over here that hasn't got obstacles, hasn't got power lines, hasn't got cars on it. Whereas that might be a different situation in the States. You know, they have these very long, open interstate highways that, you know, go through the desert or, or very unpopulated, sparse areas of the country, which are very long and straight and open and have very little traffic on it. And particularly if you're flying at night, for instance, then a road may be the only identifiable feature that you can see from your aircraft because the surface you put it down on is going to largely dictate whether you're going to survive this accident or not. So you can imagine the difference between landing on a nice smooth asphalt or concrete surface like a road as opposed to a ploughed field. But nonetheless, the training and advice here in Europe land in the UK is very much geared towards picking a field and certainly not a road. So what are some of the things you might consider when picking a field? Well, time is going to be of the utmost importance, depending on exactly what height you are when you've suffered your engine failure. You may not have much time at all to pick somewhere to land before you're actually coming down towards terra firma. Uh, and obviously the, the GA flying here tends to be quite low level, typically 3,000 feet and below. So when you're gliding from, from those sorts of low levels, you haven't got much time to get yourself organised. And the open countryside here is very uh, arable, it's very farmed, it's very agricultural. So picking a right field is important. Uh, and there's a kind of a rule of thumb that I remember being taught. It's, you know, very loose kind of guidance. But a dark field 
like a dark brown field is best avoided because a dark brown field indicates a freshly ploughed field perhaps it's just been the crops have just been harvested so it's going to be quite uh, very uh, furrowed very undulating quite a hard surface to put an aircraft down you can imagine a light single landing on that the nose gear or the landing wheels will instantaneously dig into the soil it will go down by the front by the prop and likely to tip over uh, and that's going to be quite a tricky situation to to survive the other end of the spectrum would be a green field full of grass now that could be potentially quite a good field to put it down in but it really depends on, on what the crop is that's growing there if it's just plain old grass maybe a cricket pitch or something like that well that would be ideal but green doesn't necessarily indicate smooth uh, smooth landing conditions so the best compromise so the advice goes is a kind of a, a light brown field indicating uh, dry soil hard soil perhaps something firm to put the aircraft down on your other option may be a water landing perhaps you've got a lake or a river or you're over the coast uh, putting it down on the water may may be a good idea or maybe the least bad idea if we put it like that it really very much depends on on what you're left with what your options are i remember when i used to uh, fly light aircraft which is something i very much hope to be doing again in the near future but i always used to carry with me in my little kit bag would be a, a, a hammer a hefty hammer with which to break the windows if i had to you can imagine an aircraft that tips over on a forced landing and you left upside down the doors are jammed so i always carried a hammer with which i might be able to smash the canopy window to get myself out but as I mentioned, these are very much considerations for the light single-engine aircraft pilot. Uh, when we're looking at large jet transport aircraft, then putting it down in fields and things, well, those aren't really uh, options that we look at or consider. If we get a double-engine failure, uh, which would be very, very unusual, a very rare event, uh, then I suppose our primary considerations would be just getting it away from built-up areas, uh, perhaps a, a waterborne ditching landing, as we saw on the Miracle on the Hudson, as it was so called. Oh, but preferably getting it back down on a runway. I've practiced a couple of times uh, in the simulator uh, glide approaches following double engine failures. That's not part of the official training. It's just sometimes we've got some time left over in the simulators and we have a little bit of fun with it. So we uh, you know, toy around with things like that. And my philosophy has always been to pick a runway, pick some strip, whatever it happens to be, and get myself in a position where I've got plenty of access, altitude, and height. Uh, my thinking is it's far easier to get an aircraft onto the deck, onto the runway, from a position of being too high than too low. Obviously, if your engines have gone, then you can't gain back that altitude. But if you've got too much, then it's easy enough to lose. You can get flaps out and uh, drag devices. And uh, thinking back to my gliding days, I became very adept at side slips, and I've done that a few times in the simulator finding myself with maybe a thousand or two thousand feet to lose plug in lots of side slips so that's opposite controls ailerons one way rudder the other way so the aircraft's kind of side slipping through the air and it'll drop like a brick you can control your uh, altitude descent rate very well like that i found but i obviously hope it doesn't ever happen to me and i certainly hope it never happens to you guys out there listening now if you're flying your single engine cessnas I hope you never do suffer an engine failure, but certainly it's a is a real possibility, and it's something that you need to be thinking of constantly when you're flying along. Carlos, I'm sure, will agree with me. I'm sure his instructors are, are constantly reminding him at, every so often in the flight, you know, if the engine failed right now, where would you land? What field would you put it in? So you need, constantly need to be looking out the window and, and seeing where you might go if it all goes horribly wrong. 
Anyway, that's my thoughts on uh, practice force landings or PFLs. I'll be back next week, hopefully, with another segment. Until then, back to the guys in the studio. Take care, everyone. Bye. And thanks very much for that, uh, Pilot Pip, as always. Yeah. Fantastic segment from you. And uh, it's good to have you back in the uh, in yeah, the uh, absolutely. In I, the, can't, in I, the can't, I still can't believe that the marathon is next week. I know. I know. Uh, neither can he I'm quite sure but <laughs> yeah absolutely so exciting show next week hopefully we'll be talking to Pip live as he does his marathon can't yep. wait mm. don't Ten forget you can uh, find Pip's show over on iTunes Plain Safety Podcast yep. if you search for him on iTunes you can download his latest show um, he's, he's released one recently with uh, Captain, Captain Al, Al on, yeah, which is absolutely. really good yeah, yeah. excellent listening so find him on Plain Safety Podcast and also Plain Safety Pod- or Plain Safety Podcast.com and all being well, as I say, you will catch him on here next week live. How are you, Myla? I'm fine. I was listening to Pip, and I absolutely love his pieces. Yeah. I just wanted to get that uh, out and let him know. Um, and I was nodding my head the entire time saying, mm. yes, yes, that's correct. And yeah. I remember that from <laughs> training. And so I'm all excited about it, and I just love his pieces. So Yeah, no, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a real gent as well. He's, 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 it's very good of him to, because he is such a busy, busy man, man, so yeah, yeah. really appreciate the time he takes sending us out the little segments. They, they really do add something to our little show. Absolutely, and yeah. they're very well put together, and they, they they're just, they're great. Absolutely it's, love them. It's, it's so. the it's the react. What I love about it is it's the reacting to like a couple of times he's like where there's been a media story that, that that's hit and he's mm. he's then tailored his plane safety section around that and it's just brilliant. He's so good. yeah, yeah. Hats off to you, Pip. Really appreciate. Exactly. Uh, I tip my hat yeah. to you, my friend. Yeah, he's he's busy flying now. He is. Yeah, yeah, in the air, yeah. all being yeah. well. Absolutely. So but, th- I had a had a special delivery through the door just earlier. Uh, did and, you? Uh, right. Yes. And uh, there we go. It's it's my latest copy <laughs> of uh, Airliner World magazine. That's just come through my door. Brace yourself, uh, yes. Which I have. That was that's that's my Christmas present from my lovely wife. Oh, Every it? year, Aww. I have subscription to oh. the magazine. You do have a very um, well trained. Yeah, I know, and said. it's uh, it make, makes uh, for my uh, my uh, reading. Indeed, uh, long suffering Gemma. I know. Lesser, but uh, anyway, yes. Uh, it's, oh, uh, hello, Matty Fab. Ah, oh, Matty. Oh, I've been. I've missed, Good morning, Matty, Matty Fab. Fab yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think what we should do now is time to do a little bit of military. Yeah, we're going to do some military news, yeah. and then we're going to have a chat with Myla. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if everybody is ready, then it's uh, it's it, let's do the military section. Let's go. <laughs> So the first news story in the military segment this week is on Flight Global site. The headline, Boeing KC-46 test run complicated by C-17 refueling issue. Uh, the Boeing C-17 heavy cargo aircraft has become the sticking point in an otherwise speedy KC-46A aerial refueling demonstration phase, with officials confirming that higher-than-expected boom axial loads have delayed trials with that aircraft and the A-10 attack airplane. C-17 testing began shortly after the successful phase um, passage of fuel to a Lockheed Martin F-16C in January. But with the turbulent bow wave effects generated by two large aircraft flying in line, the refueling system indicated that the loads were too high to begin passing fuel. 
USAF Air Program officials uh, explained in February interview that uh, the fix could involve some software changes like the parameter adjustments to the boom control laws. As of the 1st of April, Boeing uh, had not fully solved the issue and neither the company nor the Air Force could say if it will impact the upcoming low-rate production decision, which was expected to be this month but is now scheduled for May. A positive milestone C appraisal by the Pentagon uh, top acquisition executive Frank Kendall will unlock funding to buy the first 19 operational KC-46s over two uh, lots for 7 and 12 aircraft. Any further setbacks will add to the schedule and cost overruns already incurred because of the faulty wiring of the initial batch of 767-2C configured aircraft. Design changes to the refueling system, late parts, and the accidental contamination of the fuel system also uh, didn't help for that program. Mm. Uh, During boom testing with the C-17, the Boeing and U.S. Air Force flight test team recorded higher-than-expected boom axial loads. And uh, they explained this. Boeing are going to work on the fix, but... um, they don't. Uh, they, they don't actually expect any delay in the program. Mm. But so the boom axial load. So we've got a picture there on the screen. Yep. So as you can see, you've got the uh, the, the KC forty six and the C seventeen. So the KC forty six, uh, which is based on the seven six seven, refueling the uh, C seventeen. Yeah. And the the boom axial loads, as you see, where the uh, boom extends from the KC forty six mat to the C seventeen. Yeah. So it joins up with the C seventeen, and they pass yeah. fuel. Now the loads they're talking about. Uh, the sort of pressures being forced. So we're talking about on air, the boom. We're talking about the sort of like the external air pressure forces while they're flying along. No, it, 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 it's basically Matt. It's the load pressure that's on that boom. Right. So that boom is is hitting the C seventeen yeah. as such, and they're talking about the pressure exerted on that boom. Okay. Being too much for them to while it's flexing. Yeah, essentially. yeah it's uh, right. obviously going oh yeah, not be good. And and uh, so basically, Boeing are working on a fix. They're working on a fix. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, so you know, to be what they said. To be fair, it's got, it's a heck of an achievement. To, mm. Oh yeah. To, to refuel Stunning. a big wide body yep. seven six air, uh, seven aircraft size like that to a big C seventeen yeah. aircraft in mid air. Yeah. Um, both of those aircraft generate huge wake vortices yeah. between the two of them. So I mean I have said before it's one of the things that I can ne- I genuinely can't get my head round is how they managed to do something so horrifically dangerous uh, in the air. I mean it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, ba- it's dangerous enough on the ground. I mean I, I mean it's just it's just amazing the systems and, and that are, are involved. We we I'd, I'd I'd love to learn more about that side of things actually. Mm. It's uh, it, it it fascinates me. Anyway, on to the next story, and uh, this is Flight Global again. And the headline is uh, France firms up order for fourteen patroller UAVs. Oh, a UAV story. Yeah, absolutely. So Sagem has co- has been contracted to supply its patroller system to the French Army as the service's new tactical unmanned air vehicle some two months after Paris confirmed its selection of the type. Witnessed by French Defence Minister Jean, uh, Jean-Yves Le, Le Dran, Dryan, John John Yev's Le Dryan, the, con- the contract signing between France's DGA procurement agency and Sagem's parent company Safran on the 5th of April firms up the provision for 14 patroller UAVs for the army with operations to begin in 2018. Funding is controlled in France's 2014 to 2019 military spending plan plan and will see the patroller replace the the Specwer UAV uh, also developed by Sagem. It will operate in the Army's 61st Artillery 
Regiment, which comes under the service's intelligence brigade. The DGA announced in February Patroller had won the competition against the rival watchkeeper system offered by uh, Thales, and um, Paris is the first customer for the UAV, despite Sagem's tireless efforts. The Patroller drone, the Patroller drone, won a hard-fought competition for this contract. The manufacturer said. Controller is a surveillance UAV with a 20-hour endurance at 20,000 feet and can carry a 250-kilogram, that's 551-pound, multi-sensor payload that can be integrated into the body of the airframe or mounted in pods. Sagem leads a number of French companies in manufacturing the UAVs, plus German companies uh, which uh, supply the ES-15 frame for the patroller. I mean, it's a fascinating look, looking little machine. I'm just going to put that picture it's up. It's pretty actually, awesome, isn't it? It's got the it camera really, there. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a really great little 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 thing. And that's, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I think certainly as far as the military is concerned, UAV is 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 going to be get, become bigger and bigger. They've actually, the, they've got three different types of these they're, 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 they've got. They've got a, a patroller R, which is used for mm-hmm. ground surveillance, a patroller M, which is used for maritime surveillance, and a patroller yeah. S, Homeland Security. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, these these uh, got a unit price of these for uh, twenty million euros. Right, lovely. Uh, I'll order one now. Around about twenty two yeah. million, uh, yeah. twelve twenty two point eight million dollars for one of these. If you want to uh, want to treat yourself to one lovely. for Christmas, yeah. can't wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit more expensive than the little quadcopter I was hoping for next year. Have you uh, <laughs> have you got a little UAV yourself, uh, Myla, or a remote controlled uh, um, aircraft? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. Oh. No. Do you want one? <laughs> Would you like I'm one? not so sure. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> I'd no. rather prefer flying an aircraft. Uh, oh. But I was just thinking, if it can carry a 250 kilogram load, mm. then you could fit a person in there, and That's then true. it wouldn't be an unmanned vehicle <laughs> anymore. That's a good point. Yes. Or we could put uh, naughty people underneath and then drop them off somewhere. <laughs> you could drop, you, you yeah. Yeah, drop, drop them out of the sky in, onto, onto sort of some, some kind of landing exactly. strip somewhere. Exactly. Yes. But uh, anyway, enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> So the next story is, yep. uh, uh, this is Myla's one. This it one. is indeed, yeah. yes. Yep. It's on Flight Global as well. And it's uh, Kuwait places order for 28 typhoons. Oh, cool. I so love a typhoon. Kuwait has confirmed its order for 28 tranche 3 Eurofighter typhoons, making the Middle Eastern nation the eighth customer for this type. Uh, the government of Italy and Kuwait on 5th of April finalized the contract, which will see the aircraft assembled at the Turin facility of Eurofighter Partner Company, Finn Mechanica, um, the commercial lead for the consortium on the deal. All 28 aircraft will be integrated with the Euroradar Capture E-Scan Active Electronically Scanned Radar Array, array Radar. Um, The contract also covers logistics and operational support, plus training of Kuwaiti Air Force flight and ground crews in conjunction with the Italian Air Force, which also operates the type. Ground-based infrastructure required for the typhoon will also be installed in Kuwait. Um, So basically, they're getting the entire package. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, great. I, I'm just going to bring the picture up. Actually, is it of the Eurofighter typhoon? Yeah. Eurofighter typhoon. I, I, say, I said as 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 uh, uh, the the story was starting. I, I, mean, I, I love the typhoon. I've, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the typhoon. It's mm. such an iconic aircraft, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially it's especially especially in the military side of things. Just truly stunning. I mean, they've ordered what's it? Twenty eight of these. You yeah, know, that's, that's good news for um, you know for the for the manufacturer yeah. anyway. Absolutely. That they're getting orders for yeah. this aircraft. 
keeps people oh, and, in business. And, and if you can tell on the picture, there's the steps on the side for the pilot to climb onto and out of the cockpit. Oh, yeah. is, is, it, is it those? Are, are they welded onto the side? Are they welded? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I, I must say, I mean, I, I, was, I, was list, I, was, I should say I was listening to uh, our show back because I'm a bit sad and I do that sometimes. You, uh, I do it all the time. And, and I was listening to, to Neville's feedback and yeah. even listening to that back now. I mean, some of those stories. I think actually, to be honest with you guys, if you do ever come across a story like that uh, where the media has incorrectly, uh, has inaccurately um, reported a, a story uh, like stupid things like um, uh, stairs being welded to the side of an aircraft, please do um, ping it across to us either in email or on our Facebook wall or anything like that because uh, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure ne- Neville, who's collecting um, all these horrific yeah. stories, I'm sure would appreciate any, any help in these. Honestly, I, you, I you do worry sometimes. The, the biggest faux pas is pictures. You know, pe- yeah. they'll, they'll, yeah. the, new, the news companies will run a story. Yeah. On they'll put a, a 737 put a 747 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Matt. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. exactly right. Yeah, it, it is. Or they'll, they'll run a story on an A380 and there'll be a picture of a Cessna 150. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they get it quite that wrong. But <laughs> You'd be yeah. surprised, yeah, really, Matt. You'd be surprised. Really. I don't believe you. So uh, well, last story and on Flight Globals and mm. uh, it's a picture story as well and it's uh, an aircraft that actually um, that uh, we went on board at Riyadh last year Matt oh um, yeah when I get down to the picture you'll, you'll see okay. well. it all come flooding back we did we went on board this aircraft did we actually, yeah. I'm so the uh, the Royal Netherlands uh, Air Force KDC 10 tanker has been certified to refuel the Lockheed Martin F-35 Lightning Two, following mm-hmm. flight trials at Edwards Air Force Base in California. Uh, the Dutch Ministry of Defence said this week that one of its uh, two KDC-10 tankers, tail number t- uh, 264, refuelled the fifth-generation combat jet for the first time on March the 31st. Amsterdam plans to acquire 37 F-35s, with the first eight due to arrive in the country by 2019. Uh, certification comes as the MOD announces on the 7th of April that the F-35 will visit the Netherlands in late May or June for three weeks. I remember um, it now. I can see the picture. Demonstrations, because uh, we left our camera gear on We there. did. We had to go back for them. Demonstration yes. flights <laughs> are planned at the Royal Netherlands Air yeah. Forces. Oh, uh, uh, how do you pronounce this one, uh, Myla? Um, the first one's Leeuwarden and the second one's Volkel. There we go. You heard yeah, it there see, first. Yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> An accurate pronunciation on, on the Plain Talking UK podcast. Who could have possibly imagined such we'll, things we'll as have, possible? We'll have Myla as our, tra- as our translator. Should, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The KDC-10, built by McDonnell Douglas Len in the late seven, 1970s, is likely to provide tanking support due, uh, during the journey. It can pass 1,750 litres of fuel per minute to fighter jets, says the MOD. That's a great picture, isn't it? And there we go. There's a picture there on the screen. Matt will yeah. pop that on there. And uh, there we it. go. I love so, it. Again, it's refueling. I just, I, it, the, the science, I just can't get my head around it. It's just, oh, it's just so bizarre. So two Dutch aircraft are part of the Joint Strike Fighter inter- Integrated Test Team at Edwards Air Force Base and are operated by the Royal Netherlands Air Force 323 mm-hmm. Test and Evaluation Squadron. In February, Italy claimed the first transatlantic crossing of the F-35 type, an, an Italian-made aircraft that was helped cross the ocean uh, by Rome's own KC-767 uh, tanker. Mm. And uh, there's an awesome picture here. There actually, is, Matt. Yeah, that is, that is pretty cool. That's from cool. above again, isn't it? So it's uh, up a and, uh, top-down view yeah, there of, uh, of refueling. Look isn't at that. That, that is a pretty awesome photo there. That is, absolutely. 
Um, but no, this is uh, this is the aircraft that uh, we, me and Matt, went on board and mm. we interviewed the pilot we did, of yeah. this air- aircraft at the yeah. Royal International Air Tattoo at Riyadh last year. Yeah. And uh, hopefully they'll be here again. This hopefully year. we'll go on board and, and not leave our camera equipment yeah, I think on board. That would, be, that would be less embarrassing, certainly. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we managed to leave our, our camera equipment on board the aircraft, yeah, uh, but we, they, they gave it to us back. Nice. They yeah, did, yes. Know. They didn't sell it for spares or anything like that. Yes, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Which is which is all part of the fun. So that's uh, that's it for the military news. Mm-hmm. We, uh, as you know, those of you in the uh, chat room will know that we have. A very special guest with us on the yeah. show this week, the lovely Myla. Yeah. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, thank you uh, again for helping us with the news today, Myla. Well, I'm having a great time. I absolutely love it. So again, thank you for having me. No, and, pleasure. Uh, yeah, pleasure fun. is all ours. Excellent. So, Myla, we're going uh, to ask you a few questions. Yeah, so if you've got any questions to, uh, to ask uh, Myla, then uh, ping them into the chat room now if you are watching live. Uh, obviously, don't do that if you're uh, listening to the podcast, because um, well, <laughs> well we, by the we time will. we release it, it'll all be over. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, Myla, uh, again, welcome onto the show. So, the yep. first question we got for you then is: uh, so, go back to uh, go back to you know your your younger years, which was only a few years ago. Yeah, last week. <laughs> last week, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, where did your uh, where did your love of aviation start? Where did it all start for you? Well, for me, it was basically, I was nine years old, and my dad took me on a flight to Scotland, uh, where we were going to spend our holiday, and it was the first time flying for me, and um, just the entire ambience and the entire flight, that was really what did it for me. Um, I don't know if we've got time for a little background story. Yeah, yeah go, go, yeah. far away. Yeah, all right, because um, on this trip, I was like little little i'm not very tall but then i was tiny um <laughs> carlos has a similar problem yeah <laughs> we we went to we went to skipple and i'd never ever uh, been there but you have those long glass corridors mm. that allow you to see the airplane's nose really? on and oh, really? when you I walk down the that. corridor you're actually at eye level with with the cockpits oh, and wow. we were waiting to board the plane and the pilots with their crew behind them, they come walking down the corridor in full uniforms, mm-hmm. you know, with their hats on. And um, um, and they enter the, the airplane. And I was standing at the glass window looking at them enter the airplane. And uh, I waved at the pilots. And um, and they waved back. And oh, that wow. was kind of the <laughs> beginning for me, thinking, wow, this is so neat. And then um, it was before 9-11. So I... Uh, asked while we were on the flight if I could maybe see the cockpit, mm-hmm. and uh, I was allowed to see it. And um, yeah, talked to the to the pilots for a little bit, and I was super impressed. And uh, that was for me the moment that I thought, you know, maybe if I grow up, I could do this. And um, ever since, it's been in the back of my head. And whenever I had to make a choice to, you know, pick subjects at school or you know, get one step closer to that, I always made the choice to go for aviation. So that's it, basically. So, so, so when did you, when, when was the, what was the first sort of aircraft that you, that you sort of got into, like, to fly? What was, what, what did you learn in, what was the, your first sort of flight? Oh, my first, my first actual flight was in Arizona on a Piper Archer. And, um, yeah, that, that was my first flight. Piper, so, that's a, that's um, a low wing, isn't that? It's a low. Is that a low wing? It's a low wing. It's a low yes, wing, yeah. and yeah. it's um, it has a fixed pitch propeller, 
so there's only a power lever and um, um, uh, I forget the word never mind <laughs> um, and and it's a fixed gear so it's really really easy and mm. you just you know power two you go faster and power back you go slower that's it basically so non-complicated aircraft so but how, a lot of fun how did you how did you find all the uh, the, the license the training for your uh, your pilot's license how, how how did you find that it was great. It was I, it was a very um, diverse training for me because um, I did my PPL and my instrument training in the United States. Oh, wow. And then after that, I went to Portugal where I did my CPL and my multi-engine. And then I came back to Amsterdam where I started with my grand school training. But I came back there and I did my MCC there. And then I went to Oxford where I did a jet orientation course. Oh, wow. So, loads of stuff. So, so, so what, what, uh, what uh, aircraft do you actually sort of, is it type rated, is that a correct term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so what, what aircraft are, are you, are you, ha have you flown? What, 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 uh, what have you um, got? Well, I started out with the little ones, so the Piper Archer initially. Mm -hmm. And then for my instrument training, I flew the Diamond 40. Yeah. Which is a glass cockpit. It's also a low-wing air nice. airplane. Yeah. It's it's really really nice. Mm. Yeah. It's super. And then in Portugal, I flew the TB20 for a little bit, and after that, I moved to the Seneca, Seneca Five, and that's the same plane that Dr. Steph flies for her oh, multi-engine. Wow. Yeah. So that's okay. really cool. Um, so so, so yeah, what? So then, what? So what's the dream then when it comes to, comes to uh, the aviation side of things? I mean. W would you like to be flying uh, um, sort of commercial aircraft and taking passengers and, and that, or is it just more sort of what I call social flying, uh, where you're flying yourself about it? What, what, what's the dream? Well, um, I absolutely love to fly passengers and get that experience in, but my, my eventual, eventual dream would yeah. be to fly the business jets, just oh, the Gulf yeah. Streams oh, and the yeah, Citations, yeah, yeah. and, you know, those are just amazing. They're like... Ferrari, but an airplane, you know, kind of like that. You'll, so you'll have to go and fly with Pip. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a question in the chat room. Uh, one of the first ones in the chat room from Tony S. And uh, the question is: Do you think being a woman in a male-dominated profession has been a challenge? There were moments when it has been a challenge, but mm. generally. People are super awesome about it. They're, you know, most of most of them want to see more females in aviation. Mm. So when you show up wearing your uniform, they're all going to be super cool about it. And yeah. um, uh, and it's yeah, they're they're just great. I have had some instructors who thought that females should not be in the cockpit, but really? they're a rarity. Yeah, really. well, good. I think is the short answer to that. That's. That's not good. And another one from Tony for mm. you. What advice would you give to anyone who's just starting their flight training? My advice would be to find an instructor that really matches your personality. Because even though flying is very technical, there's also a very big part of it that's human interaction. Mm. And um, if you start out thinking, you know, I'm going to go for the cheapest flights or the fastest routes, then you're really bypassing an important part of training, which is based on communication and trust and finding what works for you. Mm. So that would be my biggest advice. Go out there and fly with several different people and see who you really connect with and who, you know, is able to teach you um, 
most um, easiest yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah. you're going to spend so much time in the cockpit with this person if if you don't understand what they mean or if you know if there's a barrier there then it's going to affect your flying time mm. so what are the costs like Myla, for for flying you know you're obviously you've, you've got a local probably a local uh, flight school such as like what I've got here in in uh, where I, the village I live um, actually, my my flight school is literally five minutes away from Matt's yeah. house. Yes. Um, so, what what are the kind of costs? Um, I mean, do, do you know roughly sort of an hour? Because I fly the one fifty and the one seven two, the Cessna, um, and uh, I just wonder what your hourly costs are like there over where you are. Um, well, the the flight school I go to here to uh, keep up my flying, um, I fly the one five two and the one seven two as well. Um, they include um, gas prices and landing fees in the, in their hourly rate, mm. um, and I pay about 180 euros for the 152 and uh, 220 euros for the 172. Mm. So it's about, about the same. About the same yeah, it's about the then, same yeah. as we pay here like, yeah, yeah. in the UK. Yeah, yeah. that's very. I was quite surprised. I thought it'd probably be cheaper where you are, but yeah. it is about the same. Well, I do know that in Germany, the landing fees are a lot lower than in the Netherlands because there are a lot of taxes on, on the landing fees and extra costs on the landing fees. So if you go to a different airport than where you regularly fly at, you're going to pay the landing fees and they can be quite high in the Netherlands. Right. And Germany is a lot cheaper in that regard. But so. I, I expect uh, that you've got some lovely scenery there where you fly, I'd imagine. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I bet it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, awesome. But in the Netherlands, general aviation flies at 1,500 feet. Okay. Usually, so that's really, really low, and um, it makes for tricky navigation. I bet. I prefer to fly up at like 3,000 or 4,000 feet to get a little overview. Yeah. But uh, in the Netherlands, that's not that common, and I guess you'll have to practice a little more then. Yeah. Uh, Masha was just saying in the chat room there. Did uh, did uh, had a question for you? Have you, have you ever? done any instructing flight instructing or would you like to do fly instructing i'd absolutely love to do that i haven't yet but i think it'd be great mm. um yeah i, I can't think i can't think of anything worse personally <laughs> it's just like it's like i i'm, I'm bad enough in an airplane when the person in the in the in the seat is actually knows what they're doing i can't imagine what it must be like for some of these instructors when you go out for your first ever lesson i can't i can't i can't even you know the whole taking off and thing. I can't even get my head around it. Oh, talking about. But, but the entire airplane has dual controls on right, everything. Yeah. Ah, right. So. Oh, a bit like a bit like a, bit like a, a car, car then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. cast your mind back, Myla. Can you remember your first solo, the first time you flew solo? Yes, because I I started doing my solos during a time where the weather wasn't that great. So oh, no. especially the winds. <laughs> so my first actual solo was a taxi. To the run-up area and back. Right. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, long <laughs> because distance. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I was released for my solo um, uh, while the winds were still okay, and I did all my procedures and checklists, and then I was doing my run-up. My instructor realized that the winds were far too... Uh, to, where the winds were picking up and becoming gusty, and he said, you're not going to go out mm. there alone. So he called me back. Um, and then a few days later, I was allowed to solo. So uh, did it did and, it go and okay? Everything went fine. It so. went fine, yeah. yeah. Mm. Did uh, yeah. did it was it a shock? Because it was for me when uh, when I took my first solo, and the uh, the less weight in the aircraft in, in the Cessna one hundred and fifty mm. that I flew, 
uh, made it uh, climb rather rather faster than it what it would absolutely. do. Absolutely, <laughs> it was the same thing in the Piper Archer. All of a sudden, you know, we were up at at traffic pattern altitude in the United States, so circuit altitude in seconds, and I was like, oh, already there. <laughs> I have to do my checks, and yeah, that definitely. Apart, apart from apart from obviously the cost, because we all know Matt knows this as well as yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> that it's cheaper to learn to fly in the U in the USA than it is here. Um, yeah. What's it, what's the flying like in the US? Because obviously that the the, um, you know, the the air is a is a lot more dense with with aircraft with GA mm. aircraft as well as commercial aircraft and stuff. Is but is it easier? Do you think to learn to fly in the US than it is uh, in in Europe and and in the UK? Um, well, I flew in Portugal after I flew in America, so I can kind of compare the two. Um, and what I found in the United States is that it's a lot bigger, so the airspaces also are very much bigger. Hmm. And that gives you so much more time to, um, if you're navigating, to uh, find places that you're looking for and prepare, you know, entering a Delta airspace or entering a Charlie airspace. Um, to contact them over the radio, and you, because things are further away from each other, you have a lot more time to set up your plan and start start doing your um, your navigation. So, um, in the United States, it definitely was easier to um, fly VFR, for sure. No, I don't. I think I'll stick to VFR flying. I don't <laughs> think I'll, I don't think I'll go for the IFR rating. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's enough with just the VFR stuff. Yeah, I bet. And, uh, I bet. Yeah. I'll continue it's, with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so what's this? Um, so, um, Michael, uh, just asking, uh, what, what are you? What uh, are you CFI or are you working on that? Well, that's basically what what Masha asked as well. Eh? Right. If you got an instructor rating. Ah, right. And I see. Sorry, that'll be that'll be I the novice no. uh, who doesn't know what he's talking about reading a question in, in appropriately excellent. So, short, short, yeah. uh, put in Carlos, the why don't you ask the question? Yes. <laughs> short Shortback uh, short is in the chat room. He's asked, uh, "How are the job opportunities for you right now over in the Netherlands?" Well, they are actually uh, picking up. Since last year, this year, you can really see a growth in the uh, the amount of of opportunities. Um, for example, Norwegian is starting to hire mm, Ryanair, yeah. EasyJet, um, Wizzair. Wizzair have got some um, hourly requirements that you need to um, that you need to be able to provide. Um, but those those opportunities they are increasing, so I'm mm. really looking forward to you know getting on that first job and yeah, and going out there and flying. Yeah, I bet. Wow. Given the choice, Emila, what uh, what airline would you love to fly for over in uh, over sort of your in the Netherlands? What airline would you pick out, out of EasyJet and Norwegian and uh, and all the other airlines? Who would you who would you like to fly for? Um, well, Transavia is a very good employer, um, so that would be super super awesome. Mm. But I also really like the EasyJet program, the females, the females program, the Amy Johnson program, where oh, yeah. they're trying to increase mm, yeah. the number of females in their airline. So that would be super awesome as well. And I think those two, those two uh, company policies or value values are are, are great. So yeah. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart was asking what what part of the world would you most like to fly in? So if you could if you could fly in any part of the world, where any where region, would you yeah. any region in the world? Where where would you love to fly? Um, I if on my eventual eventual dream flying, I'd be flying in New Zealand. Um, but that's 
that's just like a dream scenario. Yeah. Um, I think America makes for great flying. I think Europe makes for great flying. I haven't been to Asia or Africa yet, and you hear a lot of stories about those regions, but I'm not sure if those are all valid. So. How, how about but Alaska with the snow? What's that? Alaska. How about Alaska with the snow? That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be super cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, so would um, somebody was asking, uh, would you consider flying for someone like Ryanair as a private contractor? I think, I think, uh, I don't know if I could do that. It sounds a bit brave and frightening. Well, <laughs> I have, I have quite a few classmates and schoolmates that mm. that do that, and um, the, from what I've heard from them, they're they're uh, very positive about it because they can make loads and loads of hours. Yeah. And even though you have to take care of your own. Um, social support or you know yeah. like um, file your own taxes and all those things you yeah. have to take the administration yeah you're, uh, you're yourself sort of what, um, what we call self-employed here in the UK so you have to look after your own tax you're not working for the airline if you like you're just exactly sort of subcontracted um, you have to invoice them and, and that sort of thing yeah but but uh, from what from what they've told me it's doable right um, so, yeah, if you get the chance to really quickly build up your hours and gain that experience yeah. and go to loads of uh, different air, uh, airports, then, yeah, and, sure, And I think that's not? the key, isn't it, with, with flying in general. It's all about the hours, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the, the hours are the key. And, and, absolutely, and if, and if that means that you're working self, self-employed, if you like, but you are at least getting the hours in, then that, that seems to be the key, doesn't it? Because th- they're going to be yeah. more, if you are going to go for a job with, say, I mean, I'm using Delta or, or, or Virgin Atlantic or any of them as an example, um, the more hours you've got in your logbook, the more interested presumably they're going to be uh, what what are the what hours have, have you got under your belt so far in your logbook i've book? got 266 cool so. <laughs> yeah, magic actually number. matty fab matty fab in the chat room has asked if you can remember uh Myla, how many hours did it take you till you went solo Ooh. um i think it was about 13 ish 13 14 maybe so yeah Pretty soon after after yeah, starting, that was quick, yeah. um, but that was that was also the requirement on the syllabus. Yeah. So during during the training, we had several moments where you just had to pass your uh, your um, your exams or your mm. your flights, your missions, um, to be able to continue your training at all. Yeah. So, so Marsha is in the chat room has asked, uh, "Tell us about the job at Eindhoven you mentioned on Slack." Yeah, I am starting a new job, uh, so I'll be having two jobs now. I work for an insurance company, uh-huh. um, but that's just administrative. And I'm going to start working at Eindhoven Airport, which is <gasps> pretty close to me where I am. And I'm going to be doing the um, the turnaround coordination. Okay. So an airplane wow. comes in and it has to get everything off of it and onto it. And I basically, well, they call it what they call it is um, dispatcher. Yeah, but the term yeah. is a little bit confusing. So uh, yeah, I think that's I what they they call it at uh, Gatwick and stuff. They call it a dispatcher. That sounds you, awesome. It does. That it sounds, sounds really yeah, really absolutely. cool. I'm really well looking for forward to yeah, this week. I've got my initial training, so uh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, good luck I'm with that. I'm very excited. Yeah. Good luck with that. Okay. Wow. Um, right, uh, unfortunately, we're sort of reaching a point where unfortunately we need to to wrap up. But we always ask this question, and so we we, we need to ask it now. If you could fly. Any aircraft in the entire world, either flying now or flying in the past, what would be the dream aircraft to sit in the cockpit and take up in the air? What would you most love to fly? 
I would really love to fly the Citation X. That's Ooh. one of my, my absolute Now, favorites. I don't know that. What's that? Tell, oh, me, tell it, me about it's, that. It's a really cheap aircraft, Matt. Yeah. Is it? Yes. I, why don't I believe you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheap in, in what sense? <laughs> well, it, well it, the side, it's a Cessna Citation X. It's kind of a business jet. Oh, right. Um, oh, cool, yeah. But it's, it, it's sort of a long-range, medium-sized mm. business jet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's actually powered by Rolls-Royce engine, which oh, is cool. quite smart. Yeah, no, we but like it's, it's, it's one of those... Tw- it's, it's a bit it's similar... Slightly to, I suppose, the, the jet that, that uh, Pip flies. Right, okay. For safe jet. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, a, it's a quite a nice uh, business jet. Right. You're, you're kind of talking about the, 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 the big pop stars, the kind of oh, uh, okay. things that right. fly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what, what I like about the business jets is that you get, to, you get to fly really random fields and random trips, and they, they can land at relatively short short uh, runways, landing yeah. strips yeah. so you have a lot more options available yeah. and really that's what makes flying them uh, very interesting you can fly sort of more or, more or less anywhere can't you i mean you could sort of you know because you, you need a, just a small a small runway to land as you just, say just so. to give you an idea this, the citation x has a, a top speed of uh, 972 kilometers an hour mm. which converted to miles an hour is 603 miles an hour. Wow, that's quite quick. Which is fairly quick. It's quite quick. Yeah, doesn't hang about then. doesn't hang about no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. So, just the last last question then, uh, um, Mylad. So, what, uh, what, what's your plan, what are your big plans for the future? What have you got, um, you know, ready to go for the future? Um, well, I've, I've finished my training and I would really just like to land that first airline job or just any any job in, in, in flying to really build that hours because I've got 266 and to get your 80 and frozen you need uh, 1500 wow. so that's that's a gap, gap i'd really like to bridge to, and to just narrow, get yeah. the experience go out there mm. and um and and fly for a living yeah yeah i think oh. i think that, i think that would be carlos's dream as well oh, yeah fair. yeah absolutely that yeah. that and win the so, lottery so, to pay for it so, so what hours have you got in your in your logbook so far what are you up to um what am i up to now god blimey just um, a ballpark figure i'm not expecting precise numbers. um i think i've got Twenty-nine or thirty right, hours. Well, yeah. About thirty. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's probably thirty. No, thirty-one, thirty. Yeah, yeah, thirty or thirty-one hours in the book yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So, so getting, getting there. Getting Get there a little slowly. Go, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've okay. actually got a lesson book for next week. Have you? Tuesday. Yeah, I'll be flying Tuesday. Weather permitting, obviously, because the weather That's plays awesome. a huge part in the uh, <laughs> flying here. Well, thank, as I say, thanks ever so much, uh, Myla. It's uh, it's been great to, to chat to you. We've got a couple of items that we still need to do. Uh, we're going to do the. Um, we've got some listener feedback coming we in have, just yeah. a moment. But before we do that, we thought we'd do our usual rundown of uh, the air show news. Yeah, so we've got uh, the air shows for this month and uh, the date today being what are we on the it's the, the ninth, ninth day. isn't it? 9th of April. So we yeah. have got one uh, today Going actually. On today, it's on yeah. today. It's at the Absolutely. Aeronautica Cotswold Picnic Picnic yep. down in Wiltshire. Yep. Uh, in the UK on the 17th which is Sunday yeah se- 17th uh, of it's the big uh, one of eight, it's the big one local to us anyway it's the Wings and Wheels 2016 that's at Old Buckingham Airfield in Norfolk NR17 1PU so we're inviting our owners of classic cars uh, and aircraft to come and have a look we'll have a variety of food on offer at Jimmy's Cab how exciting and on Saturday the 30th of April yep. a special one for Myla it's the yep. ladies fly in day hey. and this is at Bodmin Airfield in Cornwall oh lo- um, lovely part of the world and it's uh, the Bodmin Airfield presents a ladies day fly in 
and uh, they invite all ladies to fly into the airfield, Excellent. whether they're aviators or not, Indeed. and have uh, a nice bit of tea <laughs> and uh, cream tea and afternoon cake and stuff, which is rather nice. Indeed. So on Saturday the 30th... Indeed, Saturday the 30th, it is the Bronco Fan Day UK. Uh, that's in Gloucestershire, uh, or Cotswold Airport, sorry, Kemble in Gloucestershire. And on the 1st of, or Saturday, Saturday the, 30th, the 30th, and Sunday the 1st, the 1st of, May. of May, is the Atomic Vintage Festival. And that's at Sywell Aerodrome in Northamptonshire. And that's, uh, that's uh, two days packed with loads of rock and roll music, mm. uh, vintage stalls, and uh, a few aircraft flying around, displays and stuff in an enormous huge hangar with 6,000 yeah. square feet of dance floor. And also a pre-1963 uh, car show there as well, which is mm. quite cool. No, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So that's for April anyway. There are, so there are still little air shows going on, which is oh, yeah, great. Yeah, As I say, because yeah. I, I mean, I said before, I'm really quite nervous of, of, of these these changes, which I understand why the changes have been made, obviously, because last year was not a great year for uh, air shows and aviation in general. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that some of the, at least some of the smaller air, air shows are, are still going ahead, which is great. So, we have got some listener feedback. We have, yep. And uh, this is sent in from Jenny Parkinson, sent us in some voice feedback. Yep. And uh, we're going to play it for you right now. Hello, this is Jenny in Rome. I'm just sending a little bit of audio feedback. Um, I couldn't resist your request for some feedback on the Facebook page. And while I was reading um, the monthly Italian Aeronautics and Space magazine, JP4 this month. Among its various very interesting articles, there was a little piece, rather a curious piece, entitled Ejector Cabin. Anyway, I've sent you a photograph by email so you can have a look at it. And if you look on YouTube as well, there's actually a little um, video about it. Anyway, the translation of the article, it's quite short, it is this. It says, the Ukrainian engineer Vladimir Nikolaevich Tatarenko has proposed a plan for an airliner with a detachable passenger cabin. In the event of an accident, the cabin can be expelled or ejected from the rest of the plane and descend to the ground attached to parachutes, thus saving the passengers. In the lower part of the cabin, there are inflatable rubber tubes that blow up and can cushion the impact on landing or allow it to float if it lands on water. It's not clear, however, in the event of an accident, what will happen to the pilots. Dot, 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 dot. And uh, that's the end of the article. I thought it was interesting because the Airplane Geeks had um, an item quite a few episodes ago now about the Cessna planes that have parachutes. You can have a parachute option. And it's a really good idea. It can save your life in... Uh, in a squeeze let's say um, as I said you can see a video of this on YouTube if you look for Tatarenko um, ejector cabin or something like that rather an alarming video to be honest and just to finish up with uh, and this is especially for Matt I noticed and I read in fact later on the Ryanair blog into the blue that on Ryanair airplanes there is one seat that's positioned um, so that there's no window next to it. And so if you don't want to look out of the window, 
you should take that seat and then you can just sort of lean up against the wall and go to sleep basically but in any case you don't have to look out of the window this seat is pens and papers at the ready please this seat is 11a so if you're traveling with Ryanair and don't want to look out of the window or just want to have a nice snooze 11a is the one for you okay well um, I won't be in the chat room tomorrow because I have to go to work unfortunately but I'll be thinking of you all and I'll be listening to the podcast afterwards bye and thanks for that Jenny as always thanks for your feedback 11A I know we'll have to remember Matt's, Matt's written that yeah, one I down. have I've literally written it down <laughs> on a bit of paper he saved yeah, on his absolutely. Ryanair app. actually I'm just going to I'm just going to run this because she, she alluded to a video we've got uh, the video we have so actually got the video I'm just going to try I, I don't know if it will work because I'm, I'm doing it in a slightly unusual fa- manner but we'll give it a go here we go, here we you'll, go. Get, you'll get the gist of it um, of, of what she was talking about so this is the little thing that she was talking about aircraft in capsules where you sort of sort of load the I mean it's very impractical and unviable as I think it was mentioned in the chat room but what a, what an amazing sort of quirky type thing I, I love it you sort of uh, you do it as pods I love it it's brilliant <laughs> escape capsules for aircraft absolutely yeah. this is quite interesting here we go Matt here we go we're flying along oh we've had an engine failure yeah oh so we just immediately eject the passenger compartment okay. after an engine failure right okay seems a bit drastic <laughs> um, <but laughs> and as I said what happens, to, what happens to the pilot does it, does that's, it, does that's it, the worrying thing there. The, the pilots yeah. are still in the, uh, in the, in the, in the flight yeah, deck. Absolutely. We obviously <laughs> don't, we obviously don't worry about them, do we? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Jenny. Oh. Thank, uh, please we, go oh, look at that. They land oh. in a lovely glass or grass. And did you see the, the, did yeah, you see the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the other pods, apartment yeah, yeah. crashing? All oh, right. Oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, it lands on water. Look, oh, look there at we that. Go. Look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the inflatable things it, it's a bit bizarre isn't it Let, let's be honest I mean um, the the idea is good I mean yeah. the idea is good yeah. I suppose but how but. practical is it let's be honest yeah so apologies guys if you're listening to that in the podcast that whole section probably didn't make a great deal of sense to you but the show <laughs> is available to watch uh, on uh, YouTube it is www.youtube.com forward slash plain talking UK and you'll see episode 107 there where you can uh, sort of scroll through to this bit that we were just talking about so Matty Fab is just re- he's in the chat room on YouTube watching yeah. us at the moment he's uh, Matty Fab has put uh, maybe it's an escape capsule for the pilots when there are terrorists on board or drunken Hindus oh yes now there's an idea absolutely I like that yeah, yeah absolutely an abort idea. abort yeah Oh, so uh, that's where we're going to bring uh, the show to a close. Episode yep. 107 of yeah. the Plain Talking UK podcast. We'd like to say a massive, massive thank you to our very special guest, Myla, for, for thank you, joining Myla. us You've this been morning. absolutely brilliant. You've been morning. an absolute well legend. Thank you so much, Myla. Yeah. Well, thank you. No. I mean, you guys invited me, so no, thank you. An absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure. You've you've been a real star. I know. No, we've loved having you on the show, Marley. You've uh, you've been uh, great to chat to, and uh, I'm sure everyone in the chat room has enjoyed having you on the show as yeah. well. And we actually had a we had a few comments in the chat room, Marla, that uh, that that everyone said that we should have you on Absolutely. more often. Yes. This won't this won't well. this won't be the only time we have you on the on the show I think. It's, uh, so no well done. Well done. I know you were I very ner- hope so. you, you were so you were so nervous at the start and it, and you've done mm. really well. So well done. <laughs> it's it's not the easiest thing to do. People don't realize it can be quite difficult this podcast rubbish. I know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He says. Anyway, uh, on that bombshell, it is. Uh, oh, hello. Oh, don't po- forget. Oh, pointing. I oh, don't me. forget. 
Don't forget, guys and girls, everyone who's listening to the show uh, via YouTube or the uh, audio show, downloadable yep. show, next Sunday yes. uh, we'll be recording live. the yep. episode 108 live. So it's next Sunday, not Saturday. So keep your eyes on Facebook for the links and yep. uh, and stuff for, for when they, we're going to broadcast yep. next Sunday. Uh, and say, where can people find us, Matt? Yes, as always then, the usual places to find us. Yeah, go to our website, it's www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, please send us your audio feedback. We love getting emails uh, and audio feedback in general. Or just an email if you're not uh, up for uh, recording something uh, and we'll read it out. It is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. You'll find us on Facebook at Facebook com forward slash plain talking uk and our twitter handle it's at plain talking uk uh, so make sure you uh, do get in your feedback send us in your voice feedback yep. uh, as jenny done she sent us a yep. little mp3 and of course myla has done before as well yeah and yeah. myla sent us in the feedback yeah. as well yeah you did absolutely yes, yes. you yes. certainly it's did all part of the fun. we love it because it, it's great because we we like to hear our listeners it, it, it's great because it makes us you know it's you get fed up of listening to us day in day yeah, out I so know. It may, it's, it's nice nice for everyone to get a break from us all frankly so uh, yes it's uh, it's time to uh, bring wrap episode. up episode 107 to yep, a close absolutely yeah once again, thanks, Myla, for joining All us right. and taking time out your uh, time out your busy Saturday yeah. morning for Absolutely. joining us mm-hmm. and uh, and have a great weekend. Yeah. Well, you too, guys. Yeah, I so mean, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. And hi to everybody in the chat room. So, uh. <laughs> Fantastic. So from all of us here in the studio, it is a very, very excitable. It is a very excitable. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.